Kevin, you want to know what I learned uh, overnight? What was that? I learned that the San Francisco 49ers are better than I thought, and I learned that apparently um, some website that I'm not familiar with says that Jim Irsay is firing everybody by Friday. Yeah, I saw that Twitter account. Uh, ML Football, was that yeah, what it was? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not saying that, that it's invalid to say that. Here's what it says. ML Football. It's at underscore ML Football. Breaking. I don't know how this could be breaking, right? Like unless, but breaking. Colts owner Jim Mersey has grown impatient with general manager Chris Ballard and head coach Frank Reich per source. And both of them are on the hot seat. And if there is not a major turnaround from the team soon, they both will be gone, as Peter King noted. The same applies to quarterback Matt Ryan. I read Peter King yesterday, Jake. I don't believe Peter King said something along those lines. I think he inferred what a lot of us have inferred, and that is if this continues, Jim Irsay is going to be upset. I've got the full snippet of what Peter King actually said. He said, Jim Irsay is not going to stand for this. He really isn't. I can feel him fixing to blow from here. Fixing. That's, that's all it was. That's yeah, all he said. I mean, so if, if that's what you're making of it, then great, but don't say he's reporting that. Yeah, exactly. Speculating. <clears throat> yeah, I put nothing at that. Now, what was the first part? San Francisco? They are... Uh, they're better than I thought. Their defense is so good, and... I didn't realize they've had the Rams number for six, seven straight seven, regular yeah. season games, yeah. regular season Dating wins. Uh, 2019. As I've said, I don't know if there's an athlete in sports right now that I enjoy watching more than Debo Samuel. You know the guy that their offense looks fun. The Colts offense looks old and boring. San Francisco's offense looks fun. Totally true. Yep. Kyle it's Shanahan's play calling is like is football porn. brilliant. It's football I, I, porn. I know at times we we, we we probably. Okay. I'm just saying you're watching. You're like I like what do I'm not, seeing. Do right not now. think we have a porn reference by 702. <laughs> but you know what? This is why I drive into this studio this morning. Scheme. I'm watching and I like what I'm yeah. seeing right That's now. The biggest curl route I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Could you play the nerd sound, Mark, for yourself? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, the thing is, I actually kind of agree with you, Mark. Uh, I love watching San Francisco. And, you know, part of me thinks I'd really want to see a Trey Lance in that system for longer than however many games. But, yeah, San Francisco, they're going to be right there again. Look, give credit to Jimmy Garoppolo, man. Sure. Like, nobody, you know... There is something to be said for guys that kind of know their limitation and play within it. I, that there's a, and I don't mean this condescendingly. There is a skill set in that. There is something to be said for a guy that is like, you know what? Like he doesn't go out there and try to be more than what he is, right? Yes, I think that's really well put. Twenty four nine last night was the final. There, pick six which pretty much iced the game in the second half. So the 49ers, both teams are 2-2. Two and two. The entire, N, uh, I almost said NL West, NFC West is 2-2. Two and two. You do remember the one year Seattle is 2-2. Two and two. What was the year that, I think it was Seattle that, that won the division when with like a 7-9 and nine record? Oh, yeah. That was a Beast Quake game. Remember That's that? correct. Yeah, yeah. Against Marshawn Lynch. And people are like, 
the division's terrible on them. I remember saying, like, I don't know, though, is it? Or is it that all four teams are really good and there's just a lot of parity? Who knows, right? Well, I don't, is anyone saying that about the AFC South this season? First one to eight? I mean, the Colts, to your point, Kevin, let's go back to what you said. Because it was almost like that just subconsciously came out of you, but I think it's true. The Colts are old and boring, right? Again, I, I think the problem with the Colts is they thought they were playing chess when everyone else was playing checkers. And they brought their chessboard to a checker tournament, and it's like, um, yeah, you you need the round pieces. The it's cool that you have the bishop. Actually, it's not even that. Everybody else is everybody else is playing chess, and everybody else has a piece that can go diagonally, and everybody has a piece that can go down and to the right, and everybody has a piece that, and, and the Colts have a bunch of pieces that can go two spots or diagonal one, and that's it, right? Now there's a scandal right now in the chess world. Correct? Is there? There was I a believe. fish. There was a fish. Did you hear about that? A fish tournament scandal. A couple of fellas. No, I was, thought you were referencing one of the all-time chess greats. Is it Fisher, right? Bobby Fisher. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure where he is. Um, there, there was a fishing tournament somewhere. I think it was out east. And a couple of fellas that kept winning money. They won like a hundred grand in these fishing tournaments, and then. Oh, I did see that. There they, was a weighing issue, or yeah, like they, a, they were they were putting some little weight pellets inside the. Fish. Yeah, inside the fish. I, I hopefully it was after the fish had passed. Do I, whatever I mean, it takes. Do whatever it takes. Uh, apologies for the app being down. Um, we're all going Bobby Fisher's some on our website. Frustrating technological times right now. So uh, apologies on that front. Um, yeah, the Colts right now, Jake. I'll throw some numbers at you in a little bit. It is historically bad offense right now. It is against. Awful competition, which makes matters worse. And you know what? If you're going to be bad, at least punt to end drives. They don't punt to end drives. They give the ball away to end drives, which makes matters even worse. This is really bad offensive football. I know a few weeks ago I said it on here, and I think there's evidence to back that, that Frank Reich through the first four seasons, This was one of the better scoring offenses. I think one of the more consistent scoring offenses in the league. There's no defending what's going on offensively right now. Uh, It's terrible. And in a league that is made for scoring and favors the offense, that even adds to the, I think, frustration that Jim Mercer should be having right now. I, I think two areas with Reich. One is the offensive ineptness, and two is the continued slow starts that some of that has got to be on your Monday through Saturday preparedness your urgency you instill in the team however you want to describe it by the way good morning to you it is a Tuesday right a little brisk outside um this is Kevin and Query here on 93.5107.5 the fan that's Kevin Bowen my name is Jake Query Mark Dykton uh is apparently watching football porn and excited about it. Mark you seem very awake this morning well, you know, I was up till well, when you dial up the football porn last yeah. night, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you get a little tired, but then you get a nap and you're good to go. I called you last night. I, what time was that when I called you? I had a question for you, and I, I don't remember now. You called me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the light, the sun was still out, so I'm six, maybe. Is that what time? I can't remember what I called you for, but there was a kid screaming in the background. Oh, that's one of, that could be one of three. <laughs> Jake, you should have <laughs> called me about 2 a.m. last night. 
Yeah, Kevin, how's your sleep pattern going? Max had strung together a few days, and then um, he looked like the Colts offense last night. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I just looked at Maddie this morning. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, it, yeah, just one of those days, one of those nights with him where it was just, <clears throat> yeah, he threw in the towel. That's kind of cool, right? It's one of those things where you're like hoping for the day, but then when the day comes, you're dreading the night. You feel that way? Oh yeah. Well, with you'll these... feel it now when, especially with multiple kids, where like you'll get one down. You're like, all right, we're getting close. Oh yeah, freedom. And there's no, no, but the other one that doesn't that doesn't right. apply. Well, I put Rosie down. I'm like, here we go, Manning cast time. I can't wait. Boom, and then all of a sudden, Max. Ah! I uh, had the two down cast, at one point, and the third was just like, nope, not going to do it. I'm like, well, there goes my day. The Manning cast got exciting last night when a guy ran out on the field, right? Yeah, at first I thought that was you making the tackle because you were against the gender reveal. Is that what, you know what, maybe that's what it was. I thought that was you wearing Bobby Wagner's jersey. You Great wearing, hit by Bobby Wagner. He was wearing a, t- uh, a shirt or paint on his chest that said something. I yeah, I, I don't. I'm kidding about the gender reveal. So I a guy, think that's what it was. For those that are unfamiliar, a fan made it onto the field last night and was running across the field wearing. It, it almost looked like he was shirtless, but I think he had on a pink T-shirt, but it had like a smoke canister coming. He was he must have been carrying the smoke canister with pink smoke. And Good then, to see the 49ers security doing their job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just kind of running around. And the Manning cast, Peyton and Eli were like, yeah, there's a fan out on the field. And, of course, the networks never show fans because they don't want to encourage people to do that. And Peyton Manning's like, can we show the guy, please? You and they the did. I got it. Okay, here we go. Here's here's last night's Manning cast. Got a visitor on the field here. Can we rewind that? Eli, can you do the tablet on I love this, how it uh, says visitor on the field? Streaker. No? Yeah, do it on the big board. Yeah. Yeah, you got to break down his I don't know if he's naked right now, but I think at some point he had no clothes on. He was running a post route right across the 50, and a security guard took him out. But a, a, nice, a nice hit, though, right? It was a nice legal hit. You could tell Manning's waiting uh, for them to replay yeah, it. I thought we could show that. Yeah, I understand. I think we could. You know, yeah, they don't want to talk I, about it. I understand it. the A team couldn't show it, but the B team, like, we should be able to show that. I think that's why. Here you go. Oh, yeah. There he is. This. There he is. Not, yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner. Bobby. A veteran, right? Get him down. Now get Got out and tackle. let these guys take over. Oh, Bobby gonna, Wagner. Veteran play. Get some smoke. Now, is that Omaha Productions saying. I'm Peyton Manning. I'm producing this Manning cast. We're going to show that? Yeah, yes. Right? 100%. I mean, it, I doesn't like it. everybody want a guy, run, some jackass runs out on the field, doesn't everybody want to see that? You know what I mean? It's well, like, and I, I don't want to speak for you guys. I want to see him get smoked like he did by Bobby Wagner. I feel like every team should just send their oh, best yeah. defensive players out there. It's easier to tackle that than Debo Samuel. Better, I mean, imagine if Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald might have mm. killed him. That's a great point. Yeah, Peyton last night said um, he's looking forward to Thursday night football between his two former teams because one of them has to win. I don't think anyone informed Peyton that the Colts actually tied a game this season. (laughs) That's a good point. He's like, yeah, Colts and Broncos Thursday night. He's also looking forward to it because it's another game he doesn't have to do a Manning cast for when the Colts are featured. (laughs) Right, right. You want Uber glass half full with the Colts right now? Okay. You ready? 
Mark, will you double check this? The Colts schedule right now, upcoming. They don't play a team with a record better than 500 in the next month and a half. Well, but here's the problem. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, can we let the glass half full simmer for at least <laughs> 10 or 20 seconds? Okay, hold on. Hold on. I mean, okay. that's accurate. That's that's true. Nothing until Philly, right? Um, I mean, barring the Jaguars winning. You know. As of right now, the next six games are against teams with a record at or below 500. Of course, some people are already in for, you know, what is it? What was your proud for Stroud or suck for Stroud? Uh, or what was the – yeah, C.J. Stroud. Uh, Yo-yo was... for Young. Stink for Stroud? Was that Stink it? for Stroud. Yeah, they have Broncos, Jaguars, Titans, Commanders, Patriots, Raiders. Here's the thing. And then the undefeated Eagles uh, I, I'm on not, November 20th. And I don't know. There are people that, that, that know this a lot better than I. Is C.J. Stroud – by it, and I don't know, Kevin. You would know better than I. Do NFL like scouts see him in the same breath that fans do, or is he benefiting from having like seventeen NFL wide receivers that he's throwing to? He looks pretty accurate to me, and he's obviously mobile. Yeah, I think NFL people are pretty high on him. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe in this market, we have more of a stigma with this. But isn't there something about Ohio State quarterbacks that people don't love? Well, if you're the Colts, there should be something about Ohio State products you don't love. Loud for Stroud. That's what Colin's saying. I mean, think about, and I mean, look, it has nothing to do with Ohio State, I realize, but it is an odd pattern of Ohio State players that the Colts get that they just simply can't keep healthy. I mean, it's unbelievable. Jack Mehort was a nice player. Couldn't stay healthy. Mike Doss was a decent player. He's probably the, the one that played the most snaps Anthony Gonzalez couldn't stay healthy. Paris Campbell couldn't stay healthy. <clears throat> Quinn Pitcock wasn't he? Was he Ohio State or Georgia? Yeah, he was the video game guy. Yeah, got addicted to video. Got addicted to video games. I mean, it's it's just nonstop with Ohio State guys here. Speaking of that, Tyquan Lewis will not play Thursday night. Um, <laughs> I mean, concussion protocol for him. Shaquille Leonard out as well. I think the Lewis one is something to keep an eye on because we saw DeForest Buckner really limited with that pitch count. On Sunday, Lewis was the guy that played the most snaps in replacing Buckner. And so I think that will be something to watch. Denver's pretty banged up as well. Russell Wilson was actually limited on their injury report with a shoulder injury to start the week. Uh, But Jonathan Taylor not ruling him out. I do think something to note on Taylor. While the ankle injury, all indications are the test came back negative on that. You know, he's dealing with a little bit of a turf toe. So that's two injuries for Taylor. And he's coming off a game in which he played a ton. I think it was the third highest amount of snaps in his career. That's a quick turnaround with two different lower body injuries. I had, um, you know, yesterday I received, Kevin, a lot of texts and interactions. And I appreciate everybody that, that did interact yesterday regarding the Colts game and the way the Colts are playing. And I know that today we're going to kind of turn the page forward towards Denver, which is kind of, you know, typically what you would do probably on a Wednesday or Thursday, but it's a short week, right? But I'll tell you what, I I think that if you are Jim Irsay, and I really do believe this about Jim Irsay, the the bigger concern is not necessarily even your team losing. It's losing your fans. Let me read you a text I received last night. 
Hey, Jake, my name's Matt here in Indianapolis. It's getting hard to justify spending $5,000 a year for my four Colts season tickets. I give up my entire Sunday between tailgating, going to the game, and travel time. I missed my son's basketball game yesterday because I was at the Colts game. All to watch a product that is subpar. All to watch players who don't seem to care. All to watch a coach and general manager who act like they're smarter than everyone else and even when they continue to lose to bad teams. I'm fed up, I'm PO'd, and they're about to lose me as a season ticket holder. By the way, I've had season tickets for 20 years. I'm telling you, Kevin, like, it's only a quarter of the season. I get it. But in today's world, there are just too many things for people to do that cost a lot less money than spending an entire Sunday afternoon, especially when we have only a few nice Sundays left of of the autumn season, people are going to start tuning out. They're going to start turning away. And I don't want that. I know the Colts don't want that. You know, we need people to want to hear about the Colts. But I think it's teetering there. Am I am I being way too like doomsday this year? No, this is the most approaching of apathy I've seen from the fan base in quite some time. And, and I do think that And you tell me if it, look, I have a real weakness in harping on things i know that i do and when i get my mind on something sometimes it's hard for me to recognize that other people see things differently so i want people to tell me if i'm off base here but i really do think kevin like frank reich is a really nice guy i mean i think people like frank reich and i'm not trying to to i promise you i'm not trying to like inject a person my thought as everyone's thought but I do feel like that apathy that you're talking about is partially based in the fact that the guy building the team and making the decisions just comes off really smug to people and isn't warm. And if he was warm and and humble and vulnerable, people would be more willing to root for the efforts. And am you're I, talking Chris Bauer there? Yes. Am I off base there? Um, I think there's a little bit of that element. I... I... You I mean, know, I, Chris and I have had our disagreements. I also think Chris is a pretty good dude. I don't. I, I. I guess in a public manner, there are some very smug moments that you can point to. I. I tend to probably call it a little bit more of stubbornness with philosophy. Yeah, that's fair. Which I guess comes off. It can come off as smug. I certainly see uh, where you're going with that. I had this note from Maurice yesterday, Jake. Uh, thanks for that info, Kevin. A Colts fan since 1961 and a season ticket member since 94, and I live three hours away, can't remember so fed up with what is going on. But they've had terrible teams before, so why now? But again, look at that. Since 94, season ticket member, Jake, you know this team much better than I do in that you know full span of nearly 30 years. Right. Nothing in that time frame, in my opinion, is following the script that this year could follow. And again, I'll get into these offensive numbers right now, but as I mentioned to lead off the show, the Colts are old and boring on offense when you watch them operate right now. They are in a stretch of six straight games of scoring 20 points or less. If that number reaches seven on Thursday night, it will tie the longest such span since 1993. We're talking 2022 NFL, where teams score. 
Everything is catered to the offense. And you are in a stretch right now that is approaching 30 years of scoring 20 points or less. And if you look at the defenses you've played in this stretch, Jake, they are bottom feeders. They are basement dwelling deep. This is not like you're in a stretch of playing the 85 Bears, you know, three out of the last six. It's not like you're playing the 49ers or insert great defensive team here in today's NFL. I think that just adds to the lack of entertainment and the apathy that I'm starting to feel. Uh, Hey, Jake, ditto on the season tickets. I might as well take 10K and light it on fire because I'd get the same satisfaction as I do watching this team. There's just something wrong with the mix here, and it simply doesn't work. Well, let me know where you live before you do that. I'd like to (laughs) see if any of the flames keep a couple of those bills intact. I I mean, you're right. Like, Here's another, and I, I, I tend to agree with this from Matt. Maybe parents need to stop missing their kids' games for a Colts game, no matter how good the Colts are. Probably some truth to that. But, you know, I, it does feel like people are just like, you know what, I, I just – I've said before, Kevin, and I know that the Colts don't like hearing it, but I just think that the game atmosphere anyway, no matter how good they are, is a flat atmosphere. I, I just – and we get to go in for free, and I appreciate that, and I and – I, 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 I do. I genuinely appreciate that. So it's not really my place to probably complain. I just feel for people that are paying good money to go to that because you go there and you're just like, for what? You sit there for four hours to watch a team that's, that is sleepwalking their way through. Mark, someone asked us about options with the app down. Would YouTube, is that where you think is the YouTube's best YouTube's the place to go, yeah, for live live viewing so and streaming 1075 the fan our youtube page you'll see it right there the show is live you can interact if you want the chat is always active and always entertaining but um you can at least catch the stream so again apologies on that front and, and, and if you're looking for like full shows and stuff like that same thing just kind of go to apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts usually head that way for yeah the mark day. usually gets those up Pretty much the first hour after the show is over. We're going to talk some Pacers today. Bob Kravitz going to join us at 8.30. Alex Golden at 9. We will we'll replay uh, some of the Jeff Saturday snippets from yesterday as he joined us late in the show. Uh, but Pacers-wise, they will open up the preseason tomorrow night. And some interesting yeah, notes yesterday from Sham Sharnia uh, on The Athletic about the Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Lakers trade situations. Um, mentioned in there that Buddy Heald and the Pacers are open to a trade that makes sense for both sides. I just feel like, Jake, that this is going to be the awkward elements of this season. Oh, Buddy Heald and the Pacers are open to a trade that makes sense for both sides. Miles Turner and the Pacers are open to trade right. that makes sense for both sides. Like, Where's that balance in, like, playing those guys and increasing trade value, wanting to play the younger guys? Like, it, it just – it's a very interesting, potentially weird dynamic for several Pacers this season. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's going to be a season of, like, adjustment on the fly, you know what I mean, in terms of their roster and who's in, who's out. I. Buddy Heald's one of the most popular guys on that roster. I can tell you that much for what that's worth. That probably doesn't do you any good, right? And I can see why the Lakers would want him. He's extremely durable. He stretches the floor. Um, that's exactly what I think the what Lakers they need for w- sure. would want. And the, the Lakers at this point, 
would be willing to trade Russell Westbrook for, uh, you know, the Colts offense, right? Oh, I boy. Mean, Who wins that trade? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a good question. Bob Kravitz again at 8.30. Alex Golden at 9 o'clock tonight. If you're in viewing, uh, or if you want to view maybe the future of the Pacers, that Victor Webin-Yama guy is going to play on ESPN2 at 10 o'clock. Um, so a little future of the 2023 NBA draft. Uh, I still think hammer to the over on the Pacers win total. By the way, Matt the does point out, uh, he, he, he said, I should have said this, my kid actually went to the game with me, so his kid also skipped the kid event. So that's oh, cool. there you go. Yeah. yeah, we don't need Matt at second base. We're good. <laughs> we'll find a new goalie. Uh, Colts 2023 season ticket renewals being sent out here in the next few weeks. Boy. Didn't they put something up on the... That's awkward. Didn't they put something up on the video boards during the game about the season... I saw several people saying they were offended by that, of the timing of when they put that up. Some video during the the game itself. Who wants of like, more of this? Yeah. Sign up. yeah, that might be one of those where you ask Blue to do another pie to the face of a fan instead of maybe flashing that up there on a Sunday afternoon. All right, a whole lot to get to today on Kevin and Query again. Some Pacers chatter with their preseason opening up tomorrow night. Uh, no, I don't think any TV or streaming available for that one. If you want to hear it, our coverage will begin at six thirty. That is in Charlotte for the Pacers tomorrow night, the preseason home opener is a week from Wednesday. Uh, if you missed it, we'll replay a little Jeff Saturday action uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Short week for the Colts. It's walkthroughs, no practice. Yesterday's injury report, four guys on the did-not-participate list. That would be Julian Blackman with his ankle injury, Jonathan Taylor with his ankle and toe, and then Tyquan Lewis and Shaquille Leonard both have already been ruled out for Thursday due to concussions. Here was Frank Reich yesterday on the continued slow starts. These poor starts have been, you know, you, you check everything, you know. Well, we know what our process is as far as, you know, what we've done and what's worked for us. Um, but you always have to look, look to adapt and adjust, and that's what we're continuing to do. So, um, you know, we just we got to find ways to finish the, you know, we've had a couple – We've had a couple opening drives that mm, looks like we got it going. We got over midfield, and then, you know, and then end up with a, a turnover or drive-stopping play. Um, and then, you know, on defense, we played well, but they've scored early. So, and then we've been great in the second half. So, uh, we got to tighten that up. Again, it's Amazon Prime Thursday night, and locally here on Channel Six. Uh, by the way, last night in the National Football League, it was San Francisco over the Rams. Thank you, Mark. Twenty-four nine, Jimmy Garoppolo. 16 to 27 for 239 and a touch. Debo Samuel, who uh, Kevin has a man crush on, is he your Benedict Matherin of the NFL? Hmm, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, but I mean, Debo's kind, I mean, kind of a white whale, right? Six receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he's pretty electric. No uh, Major League Baseball. Did you see you throughout the first pitch last night of the Mar- at the Mariners game? King Griffey Jr. Uh, right arm uh uh lefty ooh jim zorn michael penix really michael penix throwing out the first pitch great start to the year for michael with the 
Washington Huskies, uh, the Phillies clinched, so we're good, right? We've got all the playoff teams official. Phillies clinched that final NL wildcard spot just a couple days left here in the regular season. And, oh, shocking to see Tony La Russa hanging up. Oh, he, he's done, huh? Mm-hmm. 79th birthday today for Tony La Russa. I like Tony La Russa. I'm one of the few, but... When I covered him when he was with the Cardinals, he was enjoyable. By the way, speaking of the Cardinals, losing yesterday to the Pirates, but Albert Pujols, a two-run home run. That is his 790th home run. All right, we come back. We'll replay some of the Jets Saturday. Um, Interview from yesterday. we got some calls to get to. And a very interesting Naheem Hines quote. I think if you're Chris Ballard, you'll look at that quote and think, damn. He really said that? Uh, We'll explain. Coming up next here, Kevin McCoy, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Again, apologies to those trying to dial us up on the app. Going through a few hurdles right now on that front. YouTube stream, iHeartRadio app, those seem to be the two best options outside of good old terrestrial radio. Um, So apologies on that front. Hopefully we'll get everything figured out here shortly. Uh, Yesterday on the program, as a matter of fact, it was in the 9 o'clock hour, Jeff Saturday, who joins us each and every Monday after a Colts game. So we would presume that that will take place on Friday of this week because the Colts taking on Denver on Thursday. But we had the conversation with Jeff Saturday yesterday about the debacle against the Tennessee Titans. And the conversation began by simply asking, what exactly is the biggest bugaboo for the Colts? Yeah, ball security. Yeah, we, we, we are uh, we're abysmal right now. You know, turning the ball over at inopportune times. Um, and it's going to make every other area that's, that's struggling, it, it makes it, you know, glaring. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, your run game isn't nearly what you want it to be. Uh, we're not very efficient at it at all. And so, you know, you have a chance you're down seven within the red zone and you fumble the ball. I mean, you know, you, you, you're fumbling snaps, even if you get them back, um, just ball security. It, it has to be a point of emphasis. It has to get cleaned up. If you're going to have any shot, the margin for error in the NFL winning is so slim anyway, but um, the way we're built right now and the way we're playing, it's even, it's even tighter. Uh, and so to put yourself behind the eight ball the way we did yesterday, you're just not going to beat good teams uh, playing that way. Jeff, I want to focus on that run game. I thought that was the most uh, shocking aspect to yesterday. Tennessee came into yesterday dead last in the NFL in run defense. We know the yeah. Colts, they want to, you know, they want that to be their strength. And they had 23 carries for 38 yards. It's the worst rushing performance in the Frank Reich era. What did you see yesterday within that matchup? You know, um man, I I, mean, I could I could get deep into this i think it would be difficult to do you know our style of zone you know defenses are playing them where they're crashing the end so basically they're pinching um and, and clogging up the middle we don't have much of a perimeter run game really we don't have any perimeter run game right now and so um it's allowing it's allowing linebackers to trigger when they see combinations um we're not getting any movement at the point um, and, and, and Taylor's one of those guys who, as the game goes on, he, he tends to get better and better at seeing the hole. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's on him, too. Sometimes he's getting the bare minimum of what's blocked. I would tell you one of the early runs, maybe the th- second or third run of the game, I mean, it's a big hole right in the middle. And, and I think a safety made the tackle in the hole and, and uh, one-on-one. And, again, that's one that – you know, to have those big hundred-yard days, you got to make somebody miss. And if you just just flip it over, I mean, just look at what 
Derrick Henry did. I mean, he made you know made one or two guys miss. He breaks 20, 25-yard run, and all of a sudden your run game looks completely different. And so we're, we're lacking in that. And, and I'm just telling you, it's not de- – defenses are going to play us that way. And, and I don't think that there's any surprise that that's the way that they are playing. Um, we got to get better at it. We got to either get more creative or be better, more efficient at what we're doing. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get ugly. And to your point, if that's what you're depending on, and that's what you know, you you bringing Matt Ryan, and that was part of it, right? Is hey, we can bring him in because we can run the ball efficiently and just have him manage the game and make big plays when we need to. Now we've thrown it all at his feet because uh, when they're shutting you down the way they did yesterday, there ain't anything but to ask the quarterback to win it. Great Jeff Saturday. He's with us every Monday and I guess maybe Friday this week recapping Colts games here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, let's go to Matt Ryan. Um, Certainly the support around him is probably lacking in some areas, but the ball security has been an issue. Um, How would you evaluate the play of the 15-year vet this season? You're not good enough. I mean, ball security is the number one part for, for a quarterback. And so, um, you know, you, you look at turnover ratio and how that impacts games in the NFL. I mean, I don't know if it's the number one statistic, but it's got to be up there in the top two or three. Um, and again, another, you know, another performance where when the ball gets hit, uh, it happened last week and we kind of got a little bit, you, if there is pressure, you have to cover the ball. You have to protect the football. Um, and, and right now that's just, there's too many times when it's on the ground, and even if they don't, even if the other team doesn't get it, it sets you behind the drive. You're so far out of phase now that you're playing in to the defensive hands, and so um, yeah, that that it has to get better. And and again, it's and I'm not I'm not talking about the way he's spinning it or the way he's throwing it. I'm I'm not you know getting into the quarterback side of it. I'm just talking about the the basics. Um, that portion has to get better. If we, again, the margin of error is so slim. Uh, that, that he has to play above the X's and O's. And right now, uh, that, that's not happening by him dropping and, and the ball being on the ground. Jeff, do you think it's possible Frank Reich has lost the locker room? No. No, I really don't. I mean, I know, I know Frank. I know the guys in the locker room, in all honesty. I know some of those guys. And uh, No, man. I mean, this is a team that, they listen, they've started slow before with him, and they've come back, and they've done things. And so – this is a team that believes they can fight their way out of this. I, I don't think that has changed uh, at all. I, I think when you, the, the problem for the Colts right now, and you know, other than the ball security offensively, um, and, and we could say this about yesterday's defensive is is what's our identity? Like, what are we hanging our hat? If our, we're hanging our hat on our run game, and that's not producing. We got problems, right? Like yesterday, the 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 Titans could do no wrong. I mean, Tannehill, I think was. I mean, he managed the game. Right? I don't know that he had 200 yards, but I don't think he had two, two or three incompletions. Maybe. I mean, it was. It, it seemed like every time he dropped back to throw it, it it's a completion. Um, and then every time Henry touched it, it was the, the piles getting moved forward. If, if if there's no part of your game that is that is stepping up, it's hard to win. I mean, you know, you you think about um, the good teams and whether it's one drive or two drives. Uh, we're, we're just, it's, it's like, we don't know what problem is going to be. Um, and so, you, you know, wh- which, which area is not going to be stepping up and performing the way we need to. So it's collective. It's, this isn't just on coaching. This is, there's a, there's a lot of due to in that locker room, got to hold, hold themselves accountable as well and, and play better.
Jeff, let me give you the analogy that I gave earlier, and then I want you, Jeff Saturday, to tell me if I'm way off base. And I know you'll be honest in critiquing that, right? Um, I basically said that McLaren came to the Indianapolis 500 a few years ago with Fernando Alonso, who is as talented a driver as you can find anywhere in the world. And they they just were off. They couldn't qualify for the 500. They couldn't get the speed. And then we later found out that they actually brought a car that was designed for road and street course racing, which is a different configuration than an oval car. And when people tried to point it out to them, they didn't want to hear it because they were dead set that the car they had was okay. I feel like that's exactly what the Colts have done. And by that, I mean, I feel like the construction of the Colts has talent. It just has talent for a style of football that the rest of the NFL is going away from. Any truth to any of that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're talking about a team that wants to be, you know, run dominant, you you would you could say that, right? I mean, like there's going to be – you could say that about the Titans, right? I mean, there's there's teams that you can say that about, that, hey, their philosophy of football, the Patriots, is different than the rest of the league right now. But I think a lot of that has to do with um, the pieces and parts around. I mean, and, and so – uh, again, if your philosophy is, hey, we're going to play good defense, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be efficient, we're going to take play action shots, you can win that way. I mean, there's listen, there's a lot of guys who have won a lot of different ways. I still think it's possible. You're looking at da- the Dallas Cowboys are doing it exceptionally well with a backup quarterback. They're, what, 4-0, doing it exactly like that. But again, man, they're not turning the ball over. Their defense is freaking, they're all over the place. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're turning it, they're getting turnovers. So whatever philosophy you believe in, Jake, like, like you got to execute that philosophy. And that, that's what I mean by the Colts. If, if you're going to be run, if you're going to be run heavy, you got to be the most creative run team in the league. And you better be doing something that goes, man, like, look at what they're doing. It can't just be, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to run, we're going to run, you know, inside outside zone. And that's it there. Because that's just, that's not going to just keep translating to, to movement. And so I think that's kind of, that would be what I would say is if, if this is your philosophy, you have to play the way that the Cowboys are playing, where you are turnover efficient on defense. You are trusting in those runs. Because, listen, we have two of the best backs in the game. I mean, we have a top-five backfield. Um, but, you know, you, you you watch teams like Green Bay. They put both those guys on the field a lot together, and they create an offense kind of based around it. Um, so, I, so I think there's, there's areas for growth, and I definitely think that, that there's enough talent to win you just got to go execute it and play play efficient in it. No touches for Naeem Hines yesterday until four minutes to go in the third quarter. Jeff, last yeah. one from me. And again, Jeff Saturday is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. A busy Monday morning of travel for Jeff, so we appreciate his time. Uh, Jim Mercer was pretty public last week. Jeff, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter in expressing kind of his passion behind this matchup. Tennessee has now won four straight in Indy. They've won five of six. Uh, knowing Jim Irsay like you do, um, how do you think he views this current run in the division for the Colts? They have uh, not won their last four games. They've been down by at least three scores in each of those four AFC South games. I'm sure he's pissed, bro. I mean, I mean, here's the listen. You know, Irsay wants to win as bad as anybody I've been around. Like he he cares and 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 you know wants it wants it as bad as any owner out there and, and cares and knows probably more about football than most owners in all honesty. So, 
um, yeah, man, there's no way he's happy with what's going on. And and to your point, right, to, you, we, we lose 24 nothing to Jacksonville. We're down in this one 24-7 or 24-3, whatever it was. I can't remember um, early in the game. And, and uh, you know, we battle back. We, we get close. But, it's you know, close, close doesn't help anybody sleep at night in the NFL. Close, you know, close means we're all looking for something else. And so – um, that that's that's got to be frustrating for Jim and listen frustrating for Chris and for Frank like I mean makes no words like these guys understand that it's a it's a it's a production business and if we're not producing uh, you know we, we got to figure out why and figure out fast Jeff last one for me I'm going to give you a listener question for Jeff Saturday this is from Ryan on Twitter uh, hey guys can we get Jeff Saturday to come in and run the Colts organization <laughs> <laughs> Hey, absolutely. You tell you tell Jim to, to send that, uh, what does he call it, the horseshoe down there, down towards Atlanta. <laughs> Would you do it? Honestly, if if an opportunity oh, presented itself in, in management for you, I'm not saying the Colts. I mean, we're not, you know, Chris Ballard's here, but if yeah, if yeah, some yeah. if that conversation percolated, would you be would you take that call? I, in all honesty, I've had conversations with people throughout the league uh, over the past few years, and I, I'm pretty happy doing TV uh, at this point. So it would be. It is a commitment, and and I'll be honest with you, man. It's a family commitment, you know. From from you know my my with with my wife and I and my my kids and that, those kinds of things. There's a lot to it, so it's not just you know would you. It would be. Uh, all of the, all of the different factors. So I've never gotten so close where I would tell you that I was seriously considering it, but I've had a number of conversations. So, but I am honored that people ask, and I appreciate it. Uh, and listen, I love the game. I love I love the Colts. And was so, that conversation uh, you know, ever with the Colts? No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, they've been. They, you know, they they resigned. You know, Chris and them recently, and I think Jim's pretty happy with the way that the organization has has gone um you know and now obviously with the the, the struggle early people are going to ask questions but um you know jim's pretty stable man he's not a he's not a you know kind of jump around type guy so i feel pretty convinced these guys are going to get it turned around and then then they'll be they'll, then all the people in india will be happy i am doing tv that was jeff saturday with us again that plays after every single colts game we played a little bit late in the show yesterday so I wanted to make sure our audience here late in the 7 o'clock hour got to hear some of it. Bob Kravitz is going to join us at 8.30. We'll talk Pacers and Colts with him. When we come back, though, a very interesting Naheem Naheem Hines quote uh, after the game on Sunday. I think it's pretty accurate, but there are probably people in the Colts organization that aren't too happy that their running back said that. We'll touch on it next here. 8 o'clock hour, Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. What we've learned this morning is, first off, that uh, Mark compares the 49er offense to porn. Is that right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you seem so Everybody likes of- what they like. No judgment. <laughs> Mark really <laughs> testing the new HR company here early say. on. You see Kyle Shanahan dial up some offense. You tell me that's not exciting, Kevin. How would you describe the Colts offense in relation to... Uh, I mean, that'd be like going through like a, a hustler magazine these days, probably. <laughs> what? Well, I'm just saying there's other ways to get your enjoyment and, you know, print is not, print is dead, right? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> if people get, still, still get subscriptions of that, like okay. dad getting that. Uh, we also talked about what? different ways in which you could, uh, listen to the program other than on the radio. And those would be Kevin. Uh, yes. The iHeart app. 
and the YouTube stream. Again, apologies for the app issues, but I would say those are the two avenues outside of 93.5 and 107.5 FM. And Bob Kravitz is going to join us in 30 minutes, but before that, you had mentioned that Naeem Hines had some interesting things to say, correct? Yeah, Naeem Hines, this quote Zach Kiefer had, I believe Bob Kravitz, who will join us here at the bottom of the hour, was in the scrum as well on Sunday. This was Hines, Jake. Not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have growing pains while we sit here and watch Tennessee, which has had Tannehill my whole career. And each year we're restarting and we have to turn the page. So that sucks a little bit. Most teams we play have an established guy, but that doesn't matter. We have to figure it out, and we will figure it out. You know, it's like I said the other day. The the And maybe it's circa – listen – Andrew Luck retired unexpectedly from the Colts. I get it. So, therefore, they had not planned on quarterback depth or having somebody waiting in the wings. I get it. But the NFL stands for not for long, and the reason that is is because things can turn so quickly, for better or for worse. I'm looking right now at the list of games from Sunday. Andrew Luck retired in what year, Kevin? Uh, right before the 2019 season. Okay. At that time, you know, we're not going to sit here and go team by team by team, but most, not most, but a, a lot of the teams that you see in the NFL right now are being quarterbacked by someone who was not their quarterback in 2019. There are ways to improve your standing within the position they went out they got philip rivers he was a stopgap he played well i get it carson wentz was thought to be a multi-year guy owner didn't like him so he he's gone so then you go out and to be honest with you they didn't seem to have any plan at that point everybody in the world knew that after that Jacksonville game, Carson Wentz was gone. Everyone knew that. Literally everyone knew that. And my friends from Australia were here, and they're like, oh, yeah, the Indianapolis, that's the Colts. Now, that, that Carson Wentz was going to be gone after they lost to Jacksonville, right? Yes. But they had no plan. And they got kind of a lifeline at the last minute because of the fact that Atlanta publicly – explored Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, which then made Matt Ryan, like, expendable. And so, well, we might as well get something out of him. And they they traded him. And there is still probably question about Matt Ryan, whether or not they got a Phillip Rivers redo or they got Kerry Collins as a Colt. I, I'm not that bad, but – and so now you're probably – can you run back Matt Ryan next year? No. No. Um, so you're right back to square one, $35 right? $35 million cap hit for Matt Ryan next year. Um, I, I want to go here, Jake. I know a lot of people hear from Jim Ursay's comments about, you know, I want to win multiple Super Bowls, mul- multiple Lombardis in a decade. And Ursay says that. And I think a lot of people are kind of quick to laugh at that. And I, I don't, I'd like to think I'm not one of those people. 
I think those are aspirations that an NFL franchise should strive for. Are they extremely lofty? Without question. But the most realistic way to achieve such a path of sustained success, which is a phrase that I think Ursay uses quite often, is to take a quarterback risk, have that guy be your guy for a long period of time, and over the course of that decade, whatever, you are making perennial playoff runs, and sooner or later, luck has to fall your way, and you fall into a Super Bowl moment. You make a Super Bowl appearance. You win a Super Bowl. That 2006 team was not the best team of that era, but yet time, perennial runs, perennial chances, they struck a little bit of gold with the defense in that year, and boom, next thing you know, they're winning a Super Bowl. The best path to try and achieve that is not via Band-Aid quarterbacks. It's via taking a risk at the most important position in sports. And yes, you're putting yourself out there, but if you cash in on it, now you have an opportunity that teams like Buffalo and Kansas City are sitting there having right now. Right. And there is a refusal from the general manager right now to take that chance. And I think an element comes from, again, the stubbornness that I mentioned earlier in the show with his roster building, particularly at that position. And I think there's also an element, too, of if you take that risk, Jake, that means you could get fired. Whereas if the Colts continue to take the Band-Aid approach and win nine-ish games, you probably aren't going to get fired. Kevin, I... I you're just kicking the can down the Listen, road. Listen, I, I know that this is tiresome for people to hear because I, I mentioned it a lot. But this is the challenge in Indianapolis. This is a, a franchise in a city that played quarterback roulette forever. I mean, literally, like when I was in high school, I remember every two years we're like, oh, they found an answer. They found a quarterback. And it's hard, man. It's hard. And then Peyton Manning came around, and all of a sudden it was a – I think the Colts got conditioned, and I know that this is not applicable to Chris Ballard because he wasn't here, but it's almost like from when you go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, the franchise became conditioned to think that was a a, a position they just didn't have to worry about. You know, it's kind of like when I started the job here – and I'm going through the new hire paperwork. And one of the things that came up was, hey, did you know that like there's a partnership with the corporation where you can get your car insurance if you pick this company and it will just come right off your paycheck? And I thought, well, hell yes. And so I opted for that. And I never, ever, ever again had to worry about my car insurance payment. Like it was like just a forgotten thing to me. I just, I don't have to worry about it. I it's just taken care of. And so, like, all of us, that, that's like a bill that, like, I don't even think about. Like, I forget that I even have car insurance because I don't pay it. And for the Colts, I think the quarterback position was one that, like, they didn't even think about for 15 years because it just it was automatically there. And now here you are, and what are you doing? I, I don't, you can't just keep going. I'm telling you, you can't keep going to TJ Maxx and getting quarterbacks off the, the heap at the cash register that has, like, the two-year-old toddler on candy bars. You just can't. Honestly, 
how they view quarterback, and when I say they, I mainly mean Ballard, it's probably where I disagree the most. And I've said this before. When Andrew Luck retires for the start of the 2019 season, every day for your franchise, that first day after he retires, you get your scouts, you get your coaches in the room and say, we have got to exhaust every single resource in finding the next quarterback. We need to now go scout Tua and Justin Herbert. And I guess Joe Burrow really emerged kind of in that season for LSU. But we need to go see if those guys fit us and what we need to do to go and find that guy if he does fit what we have. Um, the other thing that I think I would note if I were Jim Irsay, and I, I don't think Irsay feels this way, to be honest with you, Jake, but if I'm Jim Irsay and I've publicly said sustained success, multiple Lombardi trophies, I would look at how my GM has handled that position and think, wait a minute, that's not the best avenue to try and achieve that. Stop gaps, band-aids, quarterbacks that are walking up the 17th and 18th hole of their respective NFL careers, that's not how a franchise tries to get to a very high bar in the NFL. Again, I don't think Ursay views it like that, but I would if I were Jim Ursay. I would think to myself, wait, my GM is not doing everything possible to try and get my franchise back to where it was or where it needs to get to. Okay. Because even if Matt Ryan were to work out for a year, Jake, and let's say the Colts win 11 games, you're just going to be back with the same song and dance next year looking for, in 2024, looking for the future of your franchise. Kevin, somebody just sent me this text. Jake, four of the seven last Super Bowl winning quarterbacks were Band-Aid quarterbacks. Manning in Denver, Nick Foles, Brady in Tampa, Stafford with the Rams... Those are huge, Hall of Famers that you're naming. And a huge difference. Those were all franchises that were a quarterback away. The The Denver Broncos were built. They had a, they had a generational defense to an extent, and they were built for Peyton Manning to come in, and Manning was a smart enough quarterback to know how to be a game manager of that to put them over the top. Tampa Bay had an, has a, had a really good roster. They were a quarterback away. The Colts had a quarterback, and we saw this with Peyton Manning. The Colts had two successive quarterback rosters that were that the quarterback masked deficiencies all over the place. And Andrew Luck was masking deficiencies. Peyton Manning absolutely was masking deficiencies, and it came down like a house of cards when he got hurt and Curtis Painter went out there as the sacrificial lamb, and you realized they had problems all over the place. And that's when you realized how great Peyton Manning was because he was covering up where they had been exposed, where they had previously not been exposed because of Manning. The rosters that Matt Stafford walked into or Tom Brady walked into or – Manning walked into in Denver. Nick Foles wasn't a stopgap. He was a backup because the main guy got hurt. That's apples and oranges to where the Colts are right now, right? They just have not gone out and addressed that situation. Those were franchises and organizations that were built for a comp- for a quarterback to be the final piece, whereas right now the Colts are such that it's the piece that they're still searching for. And I think it's a bit ludicrous to compare – where Philip Rivers was in 2020, where Matt Ryan is right now, to what Tom Brady gave Tampa or what Matthew Stafford gave the Rams last right. year. When you say Band-Aid, there are different levels of the age and still playing at an extremely high level versus where you're at right now from a Colts standpoint. I'll reiterate something I mentioned in the opening segment, Jake. 
the Colts right now, six straight games of 20 points or fewer. If that reaches seven straight games on Thursday night, that will tie the longest such streak this franchise has endured since 1993 of offensive futility. And you look at the defenses you've played in this stretch. Raiders and Jags to end last year, and now to start this season, Texans, Jags, Chiefs, and Titans. Jake, those teams and those defenses are in the basement of the NFL. Right. I I looked this up yesterday. I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but hear me out. These are teams ranking 26, 27, 28 in defense, and right now your offense is awful. And it's awful because it's ending drives with turning the ball over and now putting your defense in terrible situations. You're not even ending it with, hey, here's a punt and here's field position and you've got to drive 80 yards on us. And that right now is a major indictment of an offensive-minded head coach. And if I'm Jim Irsay, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, we're supposed to be having an advantage on this side of the ball. And right now our offense can't get out of its own way and they can't even punt the freaking ball. Kevin, an offense in the NFL in 2022 does two things. It wins you games. Okay? This is, an this is again, I'm going to go back to, it feels like the rest of the league, the phrase is always, you're going into it thinking that you're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. In this scenario, everybody else is playing chess. They've got pieces that can move all over the board. They got, they got a, a bishop that can go this way and this way and this way. They got a, a queen that can go wherever they, they want. You got a, a, a rook that can go down and hook to the, the Colts have like one rook. They got Moali Cox that can go down eight yards and hook a right and that's it. Or Jelani Woods. And then they have Michael Pittman that occasionally as a pawn is able to move some advanced bases. That's it. The, the Colts are playing checkers with pieces that can simply go two spots and that's it. And the rest of the league is playing chess. They are built right now as a boring football team that is not winning and that is losing this fan base. I'm telling you, I know we're only a quarter into the season, but this game in Denver, they've got to turn things around because this is a fan base that is teetering on total apathy, which after two decades of great quarterback play and sustained offensive rhythm – is a dangerous thing that Jim Irsay does not want to see because when you have people start talking about wanting to turn in their season tickets or not wanting to get back, that is the last thing that an owner wants to hear. And you are in a year now, so far a quarter of the way into it, where you have yet to win a division game where things are – and maybe going on the road is the best thing for them. Sometimes it's good for a team to just get away from all the noise and, and band together on the road in a hotel, but it's a short week – you're banged up. Your best player in Jonathan Taylor, which again I think is is and he's a wonderful talent. But in 2022, do you win by having your offense epicentered around the running back position? Like they have some issues, Kevin, and they need to work them out. They need to figure it out now because the, I'm telling you, the sand's quickly going through the hourglass on the year. Uh, Simon, welcome to Kevin and Query. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Listen, I, gosh, Jake, you've, you've just basically stolen every bit of my thunder, starting from the team being built incorrectly um, right down to the fan base. I have a 14-year-old son who who will, will have to move out if he's not a Colts fan, right? But gosh, not, that seems he, harsh. <laughs> well, he's, he's, not, he's, he's not interested in the style of play and the, the, the – we talk about analytics – 
that's what they live for, right? They love to watch stats because it's in their phone. And I, I, I'm at a point now, I'm a season ticket holder. We haven't been to a game yet. Um, now I will blame CYO football for that, but he has no interest in even going to the game. I mean, he doesn't I mean day one. He's like, we got another washed quarterback in here. I mean, you know, the team is built incorrectly for the style of play. That's a problem, right? You know, I listen to this. I listen to the station all day long when I can get it when the app's working, right? And the the second part, the second part of it is you, you've got a guy that's a basketball guy that's an entertain, entertainer on this network, self glossed entertainer that has said Ballard's survivor. I, I mean, again, as a as a father of a fourteen year old, I like the good high character guys. But they're, they're losing a fan, a total fan base, and he's got to get it. I mean, Mr. Ursay has done so much great for this community. He has he strives not to be his father, and he's not his father. But it's time that he lets a professional run this organization, takes a step back, lets his lets lets his daughters run this show. I mean, and 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 deal with his guitars and his cars and those kind of things. That's well. That's the other thing I felt, Kevin, is that. Ursay's a great personality, and he's a fun guy, and he's philanthropic around town. But doing the concerts, displaying the guitars, doing all the fun things, buying the Jack Kerouac scroll, that is wonderful accentuation to being a winning owner. But the second that the winning stops, those are the first things people are going to point to saying, what's the priority here? I've mentioned this before. The accountability to me is an issue top-down right now. Um, Jim Ursay had no issue doing a little song and dance in front of his bus after the Kansas City win. Have we heard from him since Tennessee? All those tweets last week. Primal, loud, blue alert. We need our fans like we've never needed them before. And yesterday it's a tweet of, thanks to all the fans for being at the game yesterday. He knows this. He knows because he said, going into it, right? We need you primal. We need you pissed off. We need you loud. He said all those things, right? What he knows is this. The fans upheld their end of the bargain. They showed up. They were there. Where was his team? Well, Simon is a CYO. (laughs) True. Where was his team? Down 24-3 at the half? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is running wherever he wants to go, and everybody in that building, and granted, he's a pretty pretty elite-level talent, but everybody knew Derrick Henry was going to be the guy Tennessee's calling on, and yet the Colts, everybody but the 11 guys that were responsible for stopping Derrick Henry seem to know that Derrick Henry's going to get the ball. It just, at this point, is flat, it's lifeless, and it's boring. I think one of the more alarming things, if I were Ursay, would be a moment in Sunday's game that Frank Reich had with Marcus Brady. Frank Reich looks at Brady during the second half on Sunday and says, dude, I I think we might have to throw it on every single down. You're facing the 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. You have a running back that had 500 more yards than any other player in the NFL last season. You're built to run the football behind the highest paid offensive line, and yet you're in the moment on Sunday and you don't feel like you can run the football? That's supposed to be your strength. That's supposed to be your building block. That's supposed to be everything that has gone into it from a resource investment belief standpoint. And against the dead last running defense in the NFL, you don't feel like you can get it done. And to be honest with you, Frank was probably right. But can you imagine saying that if you were an elite passing offense? Kevin, 
You are how old? 33. You remember Terrell Davis of the Broncos? Sure. When Terrell Davis of the Broncos was in his prime, what were you doing in your life? What phase? You are a 33-year-old radio host in Market 24. What were you doing with your life when Terrell Davis was in his prime? Probably trying to write cursive at Cherry Tree Elementary. Okay. And who was the top musical performer at the time that Terrell Davis was in his prime? God, I mean, it was late night. I don't know. In sync? Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. Okay. That was the last time that the league's rushing leader went to the Super Bowl. And this is a franchise that is trying to build their offense around a guy that they think can lead the league in rushing. For a quarter century, for a quarter century, teams have decided to do things through the air. And the Indianapolis Colts are dead set on traveling across. They might as well be coached by John Madden because they want to stick everything on the ground. They refuse to go through the air, partially because they can't. Adam, welcome to Kevin Aquari. Good morning, gentlemen. I just wanted to ask a question. If, if the Colts don't show up on Thursday and we keep seeing the ball getting put on the ground by, by the quarterback, would you be surprised to see a change there to Nick Foles? Yeah, I, I would be. The fact that Adam asked this question on October 4th, is just unbelievable. It's a very fair question. It but is. the fact that the question is even being asked is just an absolute joke of where you're at right now at that position. Uh, I, I do not think they would go to Foles. No, I don't. The problem with going to Foles is this. I'm going to use the analogy I've used a billion times. Your backup quarterback's a donut tire. Your donut tire is fabulous in getting you one to two exits until you can get the tire fixed. But if you're expecting the donut tire to take you the rest of the way home, you're in serious trouble. The ball security is just a ju- I mean, but Rosie Kevin, catches the ball in the backyard better than Matt Ryan holds on to it right now. Understood, but at the same time, ball security begins with quarterback security. Well, yeah. And you got a sure. guy making $20 million a year that's letting Danico Autry show everybody that the Colts shouldn't have let him walk. There's an element, though, of like, I mean, Jacoby Brissett's getting hit, and he falls down and takes a sack, and you punt it away. Fair. Like, you, you, you've got to just end drives. I know it sounds so coaching cliche. you got to end drives with kicks. When you don't that, do that. That sounds very coaching cliche. I know. It, it, <laughs> and you're just handing Tennessee these short fields, and you're handing a bad football team hope. Just like Kansas City did with you on the Sky Mormuff punt, you handed Tennessee that early hope with those turnovers. And I thought that set the tone. Uh, Mark, let's sneak in one more before you hit a morning checkdown. Uh, who should we go with? Uh, let's go with Randy. Randy. Hey, so you guys were talking about the fan base. The issue is I've been a Colts fan since 84, and I'm 42 years old, and I've seen it all, the ups and downs. The The problem is you've got – You were a Colts fan Colts. when you were two? No, I was I was four. When, when they moved to Indy, I was a fan. Okay. I started watching. So um, – I would have been a fan of two if they were here in Indy. But Fair enough. We, we, <laughs> I thought you said you're 40 years old. Sorry. I'm, yeah, 42. Okay, sorry. But, um, okay. but we, we sit there and we've gone, us longtime Colts fans have gone through the ups and downs. And we're at a point now where it's like the lows are just like, okay, well, we've seen this before. It, it doesn't matter to us anymore that we're just so frustrated with it. You've got these newer Colts fans who are the ones screaming, doing all the screaming. Yes, I want to see 
I, I feel like Frank's going to be gone just because of the apathy that we're seeing from this team. But it's not – I'm not out there beating drums because I've seen it before, and a lot of us longtime Colts fans have seen it before. I think there, there's a section that obviously is there, but, Jake, as I said yesterday, if you're five years younger than Randy and you didn't cheer for the Colts at the age of three or four – you haven't seen this before. This is different. This is a different territory for this franchise if you are a Colts fan under the age of 35 or 40, and it's different for Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay has not had this experience as an owner, and I'm very curious to see how he's going to react to all of this. Here's the other thing that's interesting to me for Thursday night. You have two franchises in the Colts and the Broncos, who, by the way, have their own intertwined quarterback history over the course of the years, obviously, but going back to Elway, but you have two teams that both have veteran quarterbacks that they thought were going to come in and be a piece for them that was the final icing towards catapulting them where they needed to go this year. Both of them are trying to find stability with those quarterbacks. Matt Ryan here, Russell Wilson in Denver. One of those two quarterbacks has an opportunity now to launch here towards the second quarter of the season. But for the Colts' standpoint, I can't speak for Denver, but for the Colts' standpoint, it begins with trying to protect that guy who has mobility issues anyway, who probably is like four years from starting to get the ARP card mass mailers, and yet they literally have a papier-mâché line with a $20 million guard that has suddenly become a turnstile overnight, a center who is really struggling, and a completely right side that is completely faltering, and Matt Ryan doesn't know which way is left because – Yes, holding on to the football is Matt Ryan's responsibility, but making sure that he's not in the position to have to run away and figure out where the ball is that he's trying to protect is the responsibility of the line, and they flat have faltered in doing that. Are you lacking support around Matt Ryan? Without question, but you got him to not make boneheaded plays, and he's made way too many of them in laying the ball on the turf on a consistent basis here through the first four games. All right, Bob Kravitz joins us in five minutes. Morning Checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Kevin, we'll flush out NFL talk real quick with this fact. The Niners last night, 24-9 over the Los Angeles Rams. Both teams scored away at 2-2. Two and two. Jimmy Garoppolo, 239 yards and a touchdown through the air. Seventh straight regular season wins for the 49ers over the Rams. Pacers, their preseason opens up tomorrow night. Our coverage begins right here on the fan at 6.30. It's a trip to Charlotte for the Pacers. Here was Rick Carlisle yesterday on the four-game preseason slate. The first preseason game is, you know, that's, that's where you flick the switch and the season's on. You know, so, and with only four of them, um, you know, we're not easing into it. We're going we're gonna to play our guys, and, uh, and we'll play to win. I don't know if we will win, but we'll, we, we will approach it that way. By the way, Kevin, uh, Rick Carlisle told me that he listens to us every morning. Really? A, yeah, he has a three-block commute. <laughs> He's like, I listen for like three minutes oh, every good. morning. So he gets sounds great. 90 seconds of goat sounds on some say, mornings. Hopefully that's when he's hitting his stride right there. <laughs> that's right. That's when he flips the switch, right? Just, um, go ahead. Just walkthroughs for the Colts this week. The injury report yesterday, no Julian Blackman, no Jonathan Taylor, and then already ruled out for Thursday night, Shaquille Leonard and Tyquan Lewis, both with concussions. Tyquan's symptoms developed after the game on Sunday. Uh, Taylor dealing with an ankle and toe injury 
and he played, I think it was the third highest amount of snaps of his career on Sunday and now in a short week. So. Those seem like they would be applicable injuries for a running back. Like those would be fairly important areas that you'd like to have healthy. I would think anything feet related would probably be. He <laughs> your, might need some Rex Ryan help ankle and before your toe. Thursday night. Rex Ryan night. was on Amazing Race. I saw last night he got eliminated. To get ready for Sorry for the spoiler one. alert. Uh, if Jonathan Taylor is not out there, maybe Philip Lindsay, the Denver native off the practice squad. A couple thousand yard seasons with the Broncos back a few years ago. We'll see if he gets the call up. Uh, if needed, with Jonathan Taylor's injury situation. Uh, Bob Kravitz is with The Athletic. Bob Kravitz is also our next guest. You're listening to Kevin and Query on a Tuesday. It's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic joins us right now. Uh, Bob, we'll begin with the Colts. Um, You know Jim Mersey about as well as anybody. In this market, where do you think it would have to go for Ursay to do something in season with his head coach and or GM? The only the only scenario that I could see is they lose to Carson Wentz in a couple of weeks at home. That's where that's the only set of circumstances that I could foresee where Jim Ursay would say to hell with it and make some massive changes at the top, uh, most specifically with Frank Reich, but. Short of that, I think he goes the season. I mean, we all know what his history is. Uh, he has uh, studiously avoided being his father, uh, who routinely, uh, you know, blew guys out um, during, during the season. Um, we all know uh, how little success interim coaches have. So I think it's going to take something major like a loss to Carson Wentz before he makes that kind of a move. You know, everybody talks, Bob, about Frank Reich's, and I get it. I mean, the coaches, you know, it kind of goes in tears. And I understand that Frank Reich's probably lack of fire in terms of just his approach is what frustrates people. But is Chris Ballard's seat warm at all? Oh, there's, there's no question. Now, look, both those guys are are extended until, what, 2026, 20, I believe. Um, yes, it's warm because, uh, but that said, I think he will be given the opportunity, uh, or a longer leash than Frank, but I think he will be given the opportunity to rebuild this with a new quarterback. Uh, I think he will be the guy who picks, uh, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis or whoever it is next year, because I think it's abundantly clear to everybody that they need to stop kicking the can down the road uh, as I'm going to write uh, this afternoon um, and, and and move on with the successor. Now, you know, maybe it's a guy who needs to sit for a year, and in that case you've got, you've got Matt Ryan uh, kind of as his, you know, as his mentor. But there is no question that this is the offseason. If they don't get a quarterback this offseason – to me, that's malpractice. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Bob, when it comes to the quarterback position, at some point you got to stop shopping at Nordstrom Rack and go to Nordstrom, right? I mean, it's that, some, that's exactly right. You know, that's but exactly right. You know, ha- having said that, when you look at, um, you know, the, the the construction of the team itself, um, and and the way that things were placed, I, you know, is there any chance? Does Ursay? once again look at the general manager and the quarterback and like the previous regime, are they attached at the hip? Or are they, in fact, separated and there is there any division between Reich and Ballard? I don't think there is, but 
trying to, to scapegoat the other one because, quite frankly, Reich is a guy that was not Ballard's first choice, and they both know that. I don't think there's an internal issue. I, I, I think that Frank hurt himself with his uh, championing Carson Wentz. Uh, I think he had to talk some people into that as being a good idea, and that obviously failed miserably on every conceivable level. Uh, so does Frank still have as loud of a voice uh, internally? I guess that's a question, but I, I, I don't think that we're at the point where we were uh, many years ago where both guys are kind of scapegoating each other. Yeah, I don't think we're there, but I think there's maybe a little bit more behind the scenes than a lot of people view in that realm. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, it's a $35 million cap hit for Matt Ryan next season. How much do you think that will weigh on what the Colts do? Well, I mean, correct me if you're wrong. He's wrong if I'm wrong here. He's got a two-year deal, correct? Yep, mm-hmm. Um, so what you're saying is he would be the quarterback next year, but you would also be drafting a future QB and then some sort of passing of the torch after the 2023 season. That's what makes the most sense to me. That's, that's what makes the most sense to me. Unless they're, they're able to get an absolute stud, you know, you don't make an Andrew Luck sit for a year. I'm not sure if you make a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud sit for a year. But I think that that's an option that's going to be clearly open to them. Um, but I, I think, and while, look, I'm not, I'm not blaming Matt Ryan for everything. They don't have a running game. They don't have great wide receivers, although they're starting to show, off, show themselves a little bit here recently. But uh, I don't know how you sell hope to the Colts fan base if you bring back Matt Ryan next year, unless, unless he turns his whole season around. And I don't see that happening. Which do you think, Bob, this is going to sound like the dumbest question I've asked you. And I've asked you a lot of dumb questions over the years, on and off air. (laughs) Which do you think would be a bigger concern to Jim Irsay? Losing a lot of games, but still selling out, or losing fan interest? Oh, losing fan interest. I mean... Look, you know, because that's I mean, where they're teetering right now, quite frankly. I mean, if you go by and listen, social media does not all representation no. make. I get that. But if you go by my text, the phone calls, the emails, etc., the narrative from the fan base is at this point becoming more and more, more vociferous of I'm done. I, I, I'm, I'm my money is too tight. The economy is such the weather is such that, like, I'm not going to go down and watch it anymore. And that has I, to anger him. I, that, I absolutely, and and I, I think you know, in some ways, the, the Pacers are uh, in a little bit of a situation like like I mean, the Colts are in a situation like the Pacers, where I mean, look, to have what six quarterbacks in six years and to be as competitive as they have is somewhat remarkable. So I I, I mean, I give them credit for that. How many teams? could continue to have a coach with a winning record with all those quarterbacks in consecutive years. And and none of them have been Tom Brady. So, but I I think the anger level is still high enough that you don't have to worry about, uh, about uh, apathy uh, just yet. I mean, I, I hear the same things from you, but I, 
I heard the same things after they let Peyton Manning go. And no, I hear Andrew you. Luck, Andrew Luck came in, and they all came back. So uh, I think I think it's more anger uh, directed at the front office and at the coaching staff. And quite frankly, I think the guy who's – we haven't mentioned him, but I think you probably will. But the guy who I think is in the deepest trouble is Chris Strasser, the offensive line coach. And that's usually where you see the changes start. Right. Is in the coaching staff, and then if things don't turn around, then then they get more serious and start uh, hacking off at the top. A little scapegoat party: Rodrigo Blankenship, Danny Penter, and then maybe an invite for Chris Strasser here upcoming. Uh, Bob, shifting gears over to the Pacers. I thought this was interesting yesterday, and obviously want to get your Miles Turner thoughts. But um, yeah. Sham Sharnia, your colleague over there at the Athletic, really long piece on the Lakers and their Russell Westbrook situation and the Pacers' involvement trade-wise with that. Shams mentioned this. Herb Simon showed increasing interest as the summer went on and having new lead guard Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald start the season together. Uh, I read that and I think to myself, wait a minute, didn't Herb sign off on this rebuild? Shouldn't right. Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan maneuver how they want to maneuver? Right. Herb, Herb can't help himself. He, he wants his little team to be back, you know. Um, I, I, I find, you know, it's been my understanding that Herb has signed off, as you said, on a complete rebuild. I think the feeling well, that's not is, signing off right there. No, no, not at all. I, I think the feeling is that they want to get a decent deal for Miles, and they are going to stand tight, sit tight, until the Lakers come to their senses and understand that they can get two guys who can make them very competitive, if not damn good. For two draft choices, we're talking 2027 and 2029. LeBron will be retired by then, presumably. And who knows where Rob Palenka and any of these other folks will be. Um, So... I think they're going to sit tight and wait for something good. Maybe a third team gets involved in some way, but this trade has been on the table for God knows how long. For the life of me, I don't understand why, if you have AD and Beverly and LeBron, not necessarily in that order, um, why you wouldn't make that deal. Because, again, you've got LeBron in his prime. What are you waiting for? I mean, the 2027 and 2029 ain't going to help you. So go for it. So I, I think the Pacers are waiting for the Lakers to get their act together and come to their senses. Interesting, because, you know, they've – and look, the Pacers have made no bones about the fact, Bob, I I know it's gonna, not going to be fun maybe for people this year because people want to see a winner, but I commend the Pacers, and I'm not trying to carry their water, but I commend them for being upfront about it and saying, look, here's what we're doing. I, this right. is This is the game plan – you know buckle in because it's going to be a bumpy ride we're going to have some fun nights together we're going to have some bad nights together but but to me there's like a level of it's weird bob because there's a level i've never been more optimistic to suck you know what i mean yeah embrace the suck yeah i mean that's kind of where they are right yeah and look uh people in this town have been asking for this for a number of years i can tell you that kevin pritchard has wanted to, to rebuild uh, over the years. But, you know, Herb, you know, and God bless him, it's his team. And he's always wanted to put the best possible team out on the floor, even if that meant getting the play-in game. And, you know, he understands that 
you know, this is a small market and small crowds uh, are not going to help the, the bottom line. But I really do think this is a smart basketball town. If, if nothing else, we are a smart basketball town. And we, uh, this, this city will support a team that's young, that's promising, that plays like it's hairs on fire. I really believe that. You know, over time, if it lasts three, four years, yeah, that's going to be a little dicey. But if they do it right, if they do it the way the Memphis Grizzlies have done it, where they're now a, a real contender, I think people will stick with with this quote-unquote process. And, you know, I mean, Pritchard hates rebuild. I'm like, do you prefer tank? I mean, Listen, you know, Bob, it, what's it interesting, though, What's interesting is that's not the PR way to say it, Bob. And it's I'm a retool. Sure, listen, I'm sure well, you've talked I, to him I, too, I Bob. The, manual. The, the team that they mentioned the most in talking to, to to people over there, the blueprint for sure. I've heard the Memphis Grizzlies mentioned like five different times. Yeah. You are dead on that. That's exactly what they look at and they say, "Let's go." You know what I mean? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a five-year process. You know, I look, look the, the, this organization and Herb in particular have been spoiled. I mean, yeah, the great Donnie Walsh uh, was able to rebuild the champ, the team that got to the NBA Finals, what, four years later, three years later, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals with a completely different team. And look, Larry Bird did something similar after the, after the brawl in a couple of lean years with uh, – the likes of Mike Dunleavy and Troy Murphy, that team got to the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, he, they have seen it work in the past, but I think in the modern NBA, and Kevin Pritchard is right about this, in the modern NBA, there's only one way to do it. And you look, they're, they're due. I mean, they've had so much bad luck in the, in the, in the lottery. Wouldn't it be something if they have a terrible season and end up in position to, to draft Victor Wembanyama. Hey, I mean, listen, the, for, he's, here's the ultimate dream. For people that don't know, he is basically, I mean, he's French, but he is yeah. a slightly longer and at this point in his career, more skilled version of Giannis. Is that a fair exactly. statement? Absolute freak. I have never seen the guy play. Tonight at 10 o'clock, Bob, ESPN2. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that changes my whole schedule. Uh, but, yeah, I might actually watch a few minutes. Uh, every basketball person you talked to said, this guy is a generational talent. And, and Pritchard was saying the other day that the draft next year goes seven, eight deep in terms of real franchise-changing players. It's a marvelous, marvelous draft. So this is a chance for this team to get well really fast with what looks like it's going to be three first-round draft picks. Bob, last one from me. Um, come March, can you rank the likelihood that these guys have their current positions that they have right now? Miles Turner, Frank Reich, Tom Allen. Tom Allen, Stan. Uh, uh, I think Frank, I think they'll turn it around just enough that Frank will keep his job. Um Throughout the season, uh, if it's a dumpster fire, I think he might get let go. And Miles, Miles, it's just a matter of time. There is no way that Kevin Pritchard is going to keep Miles Turner when there's no real interest in in signing a long-term deal to stay in Indianapolis. That's 
you can't lose him for nothing, period. So, Tom Allen is yeah. interesting to me, Bob, because it, I feel like Tom Allen, if he is, if Indiana has another bad season, or if it continues on the on the the pace it's going, Tom Allen will still be at Indiana because Tom Allen has an awesome contract. That that's definitely a part of it, and I think look. If they lose to Michigan on Saturday, that will be the 699th uh, loss in the history of Indiana football. That is numero uno, you know, in in all of college football in Division One. Um, they've been through a lot of coaches, and I just think they need to commit to Tom Allen, uh, commit to to uh, uh, you know making making the, the financial commitment that they have been and continue to do so. They, they had a great recruiting class. You're not going to, last year, you're not going to see that come to fruition for another year or two. So I, to me, it's like, good God, they change coaches every four, five, six years. I think you've got to stick with somebody. And, and you know, I, I don't think this is a, a Paul Christ type situation you know i mean i i don't know i i have a very hard time justifying letting tom allen go even if they have a bad season which it certainly seems they're going to bob you said up next for you up on the athletic will be the colts continuing to kick the quarterback can down the road yes that will be tomorrow and then i have a really interesting piece i think on uh, a1 on uh, friday about pat mcafee's creation story and how um you know, he did all these little shows here in Indianapolis before he blew up and became uh, the king of all media. He was doing promos with you when you had those jeans that looked like they fit, you know, Anthony Costanzo. I don't want to talk about those jeans. Those those jeans will never, I'll never live down those jeans. I'm just (laughs) waiting for Mike Wells to send me that picture after hearing that. Uh, I, I think in my story, uh, my editor who apparently doesn't like me very much, actually printed that picture yes so the jeans will make a comeback on a website that goes out to about a million and a half people they were like 42 42s right they fit victor webinyama i believe (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what in the hell i was thinking but fashion has never been uh you look like crisscross it was kind of cool oh i was i was setting a fashion a fashion trend. Yeah, right. easy now. Uh, Bob, as always, thank you for your insight, and I uh, will see All you right. later today at the Colts. Sounds good. See ya. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Sickers Hotline. We'll talk some more Pacers coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll continue the Colts conversation next. Alex Golden going to join us here in about five minutes to chat Pacers preseason opener tomorrow night. I know George has been hanging in quite a while. George, you wanted to talk about, uh, I think, Ballard? Yes, sir. All good, KB. Morning. How you doing, fellas? Doing great, hey. man. How are you? Good. Just really quick, I'll give you t- two comments, and I know you got to get to a, a, a guest here in a minute. But first off, I'll just say this, and I like don't let the dramatic of the of the comment take away the the true focus. But it's almost like Ballard should be fired because he didn't do everything he could to help this team win. And I say that from the perspective of he didn't use all the budget. I, I, I work for a company, and we have an employee relations budget about engaging our employees and positioning us for success. And our boss always says, I don't want you to go over budget, and I sure the hell don't want you to go under budget either. Bottom line is, 
Bauer did not do everything he could to maximize the opportunity for this team to be successful by sitting on budget space. So we're going to the checker and chess game, and we don't even have all the pieces to the checkerboard. It's a great point. Second thing I'll say is not only does Bauer think, like you say, Jake, not only does Bauer think he's the smartest guy in the room, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the league. There is nobody else trying to build like we're trying to build. So, like, he needs to look at himself in the mirror, and, and just like we've been talking for weeks, fellas, like, look at the year after year, slow start, mediocrity, significant change has to occur we're going to keep getting the same result. George, do you want to come to my PBR party? You sound like you'd be fun to have PBR with. Jake, I waited so long, I done drank all my PBR. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. George sounds like he's a great employee and also knows his Colts. Those are some uh, really good points. I'll, I'll read this there. real quick from Scott along those lines. I know we're up against it. But he says, I'm listening this morning from North Carolina talking about the Pacers and the Colts. Remember, the owner and GM were, uh, were going to pay differently with two big men and not – to do not do what the league was doing talking about the Pacers then they realized it wasn't working they made major changes the Colts need the same the difference being the general manager of the Pacers wanted the changes and convinced the owner of that here talking about the Colts the general manager seems to be all in on the type of play and roster construction that actually is causing the issues yeah, and Jim Mercy signing off on that is what is confusing to me. You would think an owner that saw what Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, uh, and you're probably comparing Luck and Manning's a little bit unfair, but see what they did uh, for his franchise. I, I don't understand why he has looked at the Band-Aid approach and thought, oh, yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, all right, we'll talk Pacers next with Alex Golden. Nine o'clock hour underway. Good morning to you on a good-looking Tuesday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. By the way, those of you that were watching on the YouTube stream, uh, there were a lot of people that thought they were doing a documentary on My Life or Kevin's or Mark's. That was NFL Films in filming. We were so good on Hard Knocks that they now Amazon Prime wants us. Right, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Like we need Al Michaels. Kirk Herbstreet and Kevin Query. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe they were going to do a documentary on like your your graveyard obsession. Uh, Beyond the Crypt with Jake Query. You know that Jeffrey Dahmer, you're watching that show, right? Yeah, it's bad meat. It's the bad meat. <laughs> I've been to Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. I've been oh, to Lacage. I went to Lacage for an evening, which is the club where actually is featured prominently throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um I've kind of I've done the Dahmer tour, just so you know. Well, that's good that's to know. That's a comforting feeling. Yeah, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Now, that was NFL Films for potentially a pregame, a little promo on Thursday? Yeah, they said they were going to use some of that in, I mean, who knows how much, right? Probably a two-second snippet in the open, I believe, for Thursday Night Football. As long as they get these these bad boys in there. Yeah, like Mark, did you make sure you – hands. Moisturized your hands. I think you did that earlier this morning in the show, but – Well, that's easy. <laughs> Easy. I'm just going to go ahead and go home. Is that okay? Let's get into the Can Pacers I? conversation. Alex Golden from Setting the Pace. He is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alex, the preseason opens up tomorrow night for the Pacers. Give me two or three things you're you're um, especially keen on uh, in Charlotte tomorrow night. I think the first thing to look at is who's in the starting lineup, who's first up the bench. I'm kind of interested to see how Carlisle does his rotations in the first game. And I'm also obviously interested to see how Benedict Matherin looks. I mean, he's the rookie. He's the guy that most people are excited to see. But 
Uh, also, I think thirdly, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they use Turner in the offense this year. I think it'll be fascinating to see if he's more of a pick-and-pop guy or if they use him as a roller a little bit more now that he is playing the five without Sabonis. You know, Alex, what's to me going to be interesting as the year progresses is how deep they go in rotation because I feel like this is a year they will rotate through a lot deeper because this is basically an audition year, not only for the for players, but for combinations. Does that make sense? No, I completely agree. I think you need to see who fits best with your core young pieces, especially Halliburton. And if players aren't fitting well with that, with Halliburton especially, then are they going to be long-term fits? So I think that's a great point, Jake, and I'm right there with you. I think that's the most important thing to keep an eye on this season. It's Alex Golden, NBA, on Twitter. You've heard him on these airwaves, and now with Pacers season back up and running we're gonna have alex on a little bit more here moving forward um alex was interesting last week when rick carlisle mentioned how the second unit you know got the better of the first unit in the first training camp practice um and he threw out those names i'm like man you know a name that i really have forgotten about is o'shea Bursett. and like if i were to label like pacers players we're not talking about enough and part of this is my fault i would probably put Bursett close to high on that list considering the future of the four position is a little bit up in the air with the franchise obviously Jalen Smith you, you you hope is that guy um who else would you classify as maybe players we're not talking about enough entering this season yeah I mean I definitely agree with you on O'Shea and I, I'm I'm kind of curious myself why he's not been involved in the second unit as much saying that he is the only true wing that they're going to have probably playing serious minutes this year so they didn't give him the extension in the offseason as well, which I kind of understood that. But at the same time, why let him go into unrestricted free agency? Uh, he came on our podcast and said that he wanted to re-sign here with the Pacers. So just a little bit uh, surprising to me to kind of see him falling out of the top ten. But uh, another guy, I guess, that we really haven't talked about is Chris Duarte. I mean, we talked about him a little bit. But, you know, I think a lot of people speculated that Matherin would be starting and it would be between Buddy Heald and Chris Duarte. But no, Duarte and Buddy Hill are going to be starting together with Mather and more than likely coming off the bench based off what we know. And I think if you look at what Rick Carlisle has talked about and preached all offseason is they want to get better on defense. And looking at last year's numbers, I know that Rick Carlisle brought this up in one of his press conferences. Chris Duarte was always in their best defensive lineup. So I think if they're really trying to establish their defense this year, there's a reason why Chris Duarte is in that starting lineup because of his defensive versatility not to mention how well he was on offense last year, very poised player. So I think Duarte probably gets slept on a little bit just because he's not as young as some of the other guys. And because we saw, you know, he was pretty good last year, but we're more excited about the Isaiah Jacksons, the Terry Taylor, the mystery that is there, you know, obviously Matherin and Halliburton and even Jalen Smith. But I think Duarte has been slept on a little bit. One of the guys, Alex, Alex Golden is our guest, by the way. He's on the Payless Liquors guest line. One of the guys to me that is intriguing, and I think you just mentioned his name, but do you believe Aaron Neesmith, for those that are unfamiliar, is a guy that was, you know, he came out of Vanderbilt. He was a high draft pick for the Celtics, didn't really break the rotation, kind of gets thrown in in a trade that brings him to Indiana. Do you think the Pacers look at him as this is like a Jermaine O'Neal situation where they see a promising young player that opportunity is simply all he needed or is this kind of the last run for him and anything they get out of him is gravy it's a good question um i'm not sure if it's 
Uh, it might be a combination of both, to be honest with you. I think that they liked him coming out of uh, Vanderbilt. Obviously, had the injury, but was incredibly uh, well-known as a three-point shooter, and that really hasn't translated to the NBA. But I think where you can kind of draw a comparison is to what they did in acquiring Jalen Smith, a guy that was a young player from that same draft class in 2020, which is a very weird year, obviously, with COVID and the shortened season, stuff like that, and just really didn't get a chance to crack the rotation because he was playing on a championship-level team in Phoenix. Well, now, same thing goes for Neesmith, a young player that didn't really shoot the ball incredibly well, didn't get enough reps to kind of get into a rhythm. So I think the Pacers looked at this as this is a young wing that can actually defend pretty well, can shoot the ball from three, we get him in here with Halliburton, allow him to play a little bit more freely, not as much pressure, not trying to prove himself to get into the rotation because like with Boston, we know that he was trying to fight for minutes. And and here, knowing that this is a rebuild, he won't have to do that. So I think the Pacers like the upside here. I don't know if it's like a final straw type thing, but um, if he does really struggle here, then that could probably be the case. But I don't think he will. I actually think he's going to be pretty decent here in this rotation just because he's going to be able to play a little bit more freely. Yeah, thrown into a pretty bad situation in summer league. Struggled there, but he's another guy I'm yeah. curious to watch. Again, Alex Golden setting the pace as the podcast. Are you still doing some 8 points, 9 seconds written stuff? No, I'm, I'm no longer with 8 points, 9 seconds. I did, however, uh, I'm starting a blog this year called The Blue and Golden, so I'll be doing that. And nice. uh, we'll also have a YouTube show. So uh, d- trying to do a little bit of different things this year, but – uh, still rocking with setting the pace, though. Not, that's not going anywhere, but the Blue and Gold will be also a YouTube show that I do once a week. Again, Alex Golden is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, we had Bob Kravitz on about a half hour ago, Alex, and you know he seems pretty adamant Miles Turner is not going to be here. Uh, what do you think the Pacers should be seeking in return for him if and when they do move him around the trade deadline? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, number one, I just hope he's healthy by the trade deadline because last year we saw that injury happen right before it, and it really did hurt his value, and I think it hurt his value a little bit in the offseason as well. So I I feel like with Turner, you're looking for uh, a first-round pick, no doubt about it. And if you can get a young player with that, similar to what you got with the Brogdon trade, I think that makes a lot of sense. But who knows? What Does the year matter on that first-round pick? Sorry to interrupt, but you know when you see no. Lakers 2027, 2029, I, I I worry that you're not aiding your current rebuild enough with those picks so far in the future. Am I wrong in that thinking? No, I don't think you're completely wrong, but I do think there's a little caveat there because look at what the Cavaliers just did to acquire Donovan Mitchell. I think the Pacers are slowly building up the right pieces around Halliburton. You got Mather, and hopefully he works out. Isaiah Jackson, Duarte, Jalen Smith. Then you got this upcoming year's draft pick. You get that core together. Now let's say a young player becomes available that you really like and you have those enticing Lakers picks in the future to trade. People love picks until they become picked, right? So I think having them further out, knowing LeBron James probably won't be there. Who knows if the state of the Lakers will be in 2027. It's already kind of muddy right now in 2022. So I think those could be very enticing in a trade to acquire somebody that could really help go with this team. So to me, I I actually don't mind the Lakers trade because it does make sense for both sides and for the Pacers to, you know, get off that extra money for Buddy Hill for next season so they have more uh, money in free agency. But I I think, honestly, they have to be both unprotected. I know that that's been reported by Shams yesterday and it's kind of been ongoing all summer long. But in terms of, like, if you're just trading Turner, I think you have to get a decent first-round pick. There was 
a note in that report from Shams that they had talked about involving Memphis in the trade that would send. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, no, I do too. And I, I don't know if that will still be happening now that they did re-sign Steven Adams to a two-year extension. I think he could have been in that deal because he was an expiring contract. But we know Memphis has a lot of young players on that team and they're not going to be able to pay them all. So I like the fit of Miles in Memphis next to Jaron Jackson Jr. I like Miles' fit in Toronto with that core. I think he played his best defense under Bjorken's system. Even though everybody else is bad, he was really good. And they've got the athletes to kind of play that style. So I think you could probably find something that helps you more immediately if you wait and get the most value. But I still like the idea of having picks and the fact that Kevin Pritchard did say in his press conference uh, for the media availability on that Thursday that he wants about 10 more picks. I think that that's really what they're focused on is more so getting picks because right now they're kind of running out of roster space to give these guys a chance to showcase what they have. And I think now they just want to free up that space, get more picks for, for future assets. Alex, every team seemingly needs you know Reggie Miller said it best everybody needs a little crazy and you know like Ron Artest was a guy that was a tone setter yeah he went over the edge for sure we know that there's we we certainly know that but you need a little bit of that tenacity of a guy that like he's on your team and so the other team is always kind of aware that he's there some people say, you know, like like just a junkyard dog. You know, the guy that will do all the dirty work, get in your grill if need be, or somebody all of a sudden throws an elbow at an Aaron Neesmith or a Benedict Matherin, and they're there to have his back. Who's that guy for Indiana? I don't really think we have one, to be honest with you. Not right now. I mean, maybe it is Matherin. Um, I know how competitive he is, but right now it doesn't seem like they have that guy. Um I feel like it potentially could be Goga, <laughs> just because we, we – Well, we he did it with Goga that was, assistant coach that one time, right, Foster? Yeah, and, yeah. with Foster, he got into it. Uh, and shout-out, Greg Foster was his birthday yesterday. Just found that out there. But uh, <laughs> with that being said, I mean, look at what Goga did with Team Georgia when they got into it with Cork Maz and Goga and two other guys from Georgia went into the locker room and had that scuffle. I mean, Goga's kind of like, you know, been through a lot in his young career. Like, if you go back and read his story and how he got to the NBA, it's pretty wild just to think of what he went through. And you kind of want to root for the guy just because of the hardships that he faced. And he's kind of a no-nonsense guy. He doesn't like being picked on, doesn't like being made look stupid. So I don't think he'd have a problem being the enforcer, but I don't think he's going to see the floor that much to really be that guy. So but they really don't have it right now unless for some reason Benedict Mathern becomes that player, in my opinion. Alex, um, the win total, I just looked it up, 23-and-a-half. I am literally hammering the over on that. I, I 23 is such a small number. I, do I think the Pacers are, you know, this incredibly talented team that's going to challenge for a play-in spot? No, but I, I really think this is a team capable of, you know, winning around 30 to 35 games. Uh, certainly health plays mm. a lot into that. I just don't think they're going to be that awful. Um you know, they had tons of injuries last year, and they were in a lot of the games late. I just think luck will bounce their way with some of those late-game situations there. And it's a young team that I think is going to play hard. Um, am I uh, ludicrous in thinking that I should hammer that 23-and-a-half over? I don't think you're ludicrous. Uh, the last I had seen was 24-and-a-half, so maybe it's even gone down more, which is kind of wild. Um, no, honestly, like I think ESPN, Kevin Pelton, his projections had them winning like 38 games or something like that. 
uh, and they do a lot of different factoring in their injuries and all that kind of stuff. Personally, for me, watching the Pacers lose 10 games in a row to end the, end the season last year, I kind of think they know what's at stake here, and I, I think they kind of have their eyes set on Victor Wimbanyama. I haven't heard that or anything, but it's pretty obvious that they would like to kind of get their hands on him. And the best way to do that is to lose as many games as possible. I think they are probably the worst team overall in the Eastern Conference, and I know some fans might not want to hear that, but just looking at the roster in totality, I just think there's too many holes. It's a bunch of guards, a bunch of centers, and no and no wings, really. So, for me, I have them winning about 22 games when I did my uh, – when we went through the, the schedule because it's just like looking at all these teams, I mean, the East is deeper than it ever has been, and so is the Western Conference. So, I just feel like on paper the Pacers are really going to have to outplay their opponent in a lot of these games to get – close to 30 wins. Now, if they got 26 to 28, that wouldn't surprise me, KB. Uh, but anything 30 and higher, I think, is a little bit much, in my opinion, in terms of how many wins they get this year. I just need them to win three of 10 games. Three of 10. Doesn't that sound doable? <laughs> well, hold on. I mean, they yeah, you're right. If they went three of 10, you're right. They're good, right? I mean, I get it. The East is, is better, and I'm with you on that, Alex, but it's also the NBA. The teams are going to be resting. Some teams are going to look at the Pacers and say, hey, tonight's tonight that we're going to need to sit some guys. Yeah, yeah but- no, you're right. I wonder I wonder how much Carlisle will like, okay, we're only going to play Halliburton 25 minutes tonight instead of 33 because we're trying to lose some games, giving them hard some minutes here to kind of grow as a young player, get Kendall Brown in the mix. Let's see what he looks like towards the end of the season. I mean, we had two-way guys playing a lot towards the end last year as well, trying to prove themselves like a Gabe York, that kind of thing. So I think they know what's at stake, and I think this year they've been hammering home development, development, development. And I think that is kind of like a warning of, hey, we're, we're tanking without saying it because they don't want to admit they are, but they are. I, by the way, I, I think Gabe York is the most – that was a big missed recruit by Notre Dame back in the day. He Gabe, Gabe York is the poster child of random NBA dude. Like, as far as I know, Gabe York was was in Welcome Back, Cotter. You know what I mean? Like, Gabe, Gabe York was a math teacher in Yuma, Arizona in 1977. I think he went to Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Gabe, Gabe York was like, yeah, yeah, my buddy from college, Gabe York, he was an A pie. You know what I mean? Like, Gabe York can be anything. Yeah, no, I, I get you there. He was a. Uh, if Gabe York's on guy. your roster, you are tank. I mean, you know what I mean. You're either the Erie right. Bayhawks or you're tanking. Hey, is he gonna make the team? <laughs> no, he's uh, he's on the Mad Ants. He's back on the Mad Ants. So are, are we uh, uh, watching Victor tonight? And this would not be Oladipo. Um, and, and the other guy <laughs> that he's going up against, Scoot. You know, we should probably keep an eye on some of these other guys. Are the mad ants yeah. just ants that are in the G League and therefore they're mad? Is that what that is? Should they just be the Jake, like, I asked Alex an intelligent question here I think that's about a fair question. the 2023 NBA draft, and you want to go to the Fort Wayne Zoo? <laughs> it's a great zoo. Did you know that? It's actually a well-reputed zoo for a city that size. They've got a great zoo. I don't know what you have against Alex. Them. For our listeners that maybe don't know what's going on tonight, Webb and Yama against the G League. Ignite, who they have some guys that obviously could go pretty high in the draft? Yeah, Scoot Henderson's the guy that's projected to go second overall. And I thought Wimbenyama, I actually loved what he had to say. I don't know if you guys saw this or not on Twitter yesterday. But they, they asked Victor Wimbenyama about Scoot Henderson. He said, yeah, he's a great player, and he'd probably be the first pick in the draft if I wasn't in the draft. So I uh, I actually like the confidence from Wimbenyama. And, and Scoot Henderson, a lot of people really like him. 
I've actually talked to some people that like him more than Wimbenyama, but uh, obviously Wimbenyama being seven foot, I think three, seven, four, something like that with a seven foot eight wingspan. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a freak and he can shoot the ball, put the ball on the floor. He can dunk on people, block shots. I mean, I think if you have a chance to watch this, I don't know if I'll be able to have time to watch it. I might watch highlights later, but uh, I would highly recommend trying to find a way to watch this because it's going to be a really fun showcase of the top two prizes in this year's draft for sure. Alex, Scoot's do you a remember? Guard, right? What was that? Scoot is a guard, correct? Yeah, he's another six-five guard. So right at the Pacers alley in terms of players they like to go after. Do you uh, remember Alex? When yeah. sorry about that, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, Here comes an ant question. No, when LeBron, <laughs> when LeBron's contract was originally, you know, the summer of the decision, right? It came down late. The Lakers, well, the Lakers, I don't even think were in the mix then. Maybe the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, uh, the Cavs were one of them, obviously. But a couple of years before that, everybody, every team in the NBA started clearing cap space and everybody was clearing cap space because they were the, they were going to outthink everybody by having the cap space to make a max offer contract to LeBron. And then within like a year you figured out literally every single team was doing that to try to get LeBron. Nobody was original in their thought. It feels like with Webinyama that's where we are. Like every team is positioning themselves to try to move into the draft to get this guy and they all think that they're the only one that's doing it. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think I get what you're saying. But there are about four or five teams that are, like, openly trying to lose, I think, like Utah, obviously, OKC, um, probably the Spurs for sure, and uh, the Pacers, I think, are right in that mix. So I think women, Yama, like, while he is clearly the number one prize package here in this in this draft class, there's still a lot of really talented players in this upcoming class. So I think – that's what makes it really intriguing to kind of lose this year. And if you look at the, the the players that are projected to go like in the top 10, a lot of them are small forwards that are at that six, seven to six, nine uh, height. And I think that's what the Pacers desperately need on this team. So even if they don't get a winning level, which I think would be the ultimate prize for them, there's still a lot of young players in this draft that I think are really enticing. So, well, while you're not going to like just miss out on like a LeBron and free agency, you're still going to get a nice consolation prize with a lot of these players that are uh, that are in this draft class. By the way, Anthony Wayne, who Fort Wayne is named for, Anthony Wayne, who was part of the American Revolutionary War, served in the United States Army, um, senior officer of the Army. His nickname was Mad Anthony Wayne. That's why they're the Mad Ants. Just so you know. Mm. But I still think well, some of the go. some of the mad ants probably would be happier ants if they were in the NBA instead of the G League. <laughs> I, I just, in I my have, opinion, that sucks. <laughs> I have never been more confident in anything in my life than the Pacers winning over twenty three games. This year. <laughs> Kevin, actually, well, I, I don't know if you know this or not, Alex, but we just we were under new ownership here, and so we had to reallocate our four hundred one k rollovers and whatnot. Kevin just put all of his in the over. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. All of it. They said, do you want to roll over? And he said, no, I want to hammer over. Alex, if you want to Venmo me, feel free. Yeah, I mean, seriously. 24 and 58, that's all I need. (laughs) Yeah, I'll pull for that for you so you're not broke. Thank uh, you. I don't want to get too much higher. I I think it makes a lot of sense to try to be as bad as possible this season in terms of record-wise. I I get that. yeah, just just, you know, you don't want to be where the Colts are right now or you're just retreading for the past six years, right? So. Uh, I, I just feel like this is the Pacers team, and they're not getting anywhere near the top anytime soon. 
based on how everything looks and how everything's stacked up right now. So it makes sense to kind of go this route and then in a couple of years be ready to go and hopefully be a playoff contender and maybe have a deep run with Carlisle still here before, uh, you know, who knows how long he's going to be around, but, you know, while he's still under contract. He's a great follow. In the offseason, now Pacers season is here. Alex Golden will be producing a whole lot of content. Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Alex, thank you, my man. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. That's Alex Golden right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Time, by the way, for a morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Are you with me? Well, here's the thing. In 1982-83 season, the Pacers... Oh, gosh. We're going there. Well, in that season... What was the over-under? They were 20-62. and 62. They won 20 games. 20-62 and 62 was their record. That would have gotten you the under... You would have circled the drain and cashed out that 401k. Maddie would have been thrilled. Now, in that year they did that, they lost the coin flip for the number one overall pick in the draft, which was Ralph Sampson. I was at Allisonville Elementary School when they played the coin flip live on the radio on WIBC on the school public address, by the way. And the consolation prize for the Pacers in not getting Ralph Sampson? Steve Stepanovich, who was not a terrible player. Injuries kind of derailed him. Well, this year's consolation prize is Scoot, and that's a great name. (laughs) You think it's that on the birth certificate? That's a good question. I'll bet when he was little, he scooted around. Here's the thing. You could say that they, you know, Stipo, really? But then you look at it. I mean, other players in that draft, Russell Cross went sixth overall out of Purdue. Thurl Bailey. Dale Ellis was the ninth pick. He's okay. But none of these guys were. Clyde Drexler. Clyde, Clyde Drexler at 14 was probably the, the prize of that draft. Pacers open up the preseason tomorrow night in Charlotte. Their preseason home opener is next Wednesday. Uh, Jake, the Colts in walkthrough mode this week. Uh, on the injury report, if they would have practiced yesterday, and I say so that in quotes, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor uh, with that ankle injury, uh, Julian Blackman with his ankle injury. He missed last week's game with Tennessee and Shaquille Leonard, Tyquan Lewis already ruled out due to concussions. Here was Frank Reich yesterday on the continued slow starts for his football team. These poor starts have been, you know, you, you check everything, you know, well, we know what our process is as far as, you know, what we've done and what's worked for us. Um, but you always have to look, look to adapt and adjust and that's what we're continuing to do. So, um, you know, we just, we got to find ways to finish the, you know, we've had a couple We've had a couple opening drives that mm, looks like we got it going. We got over midfield, and then, you know, and then end up with a, a turnover or drive-stopping play. Um, and then, you know, on defense, we played well, but they've scored early. So, and then we've been great in the second half. So, uh, we got to tighten that up. <laughs> okay, need to tighten that up. Just got some things to clean up, and we're really close. Literally one of the worst offensive stretches for this franchise in three decades. Uh, last night, offensively speaking, not great for the Rams. As a matter of fact, Matt Stafford struggled. 24-9 San Francisco over the Rams last night. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-27 for 239 yards and a touch. Debo Samuel, 115 yards through the air and a touchdown. And Matthew Stafford, as I mentioned, 32-48 for 254, but he was picked in the game. The Rams needed that streaker to try and get their offense going. That's right. Uh, fella had a pink 
smoke canister. Elusive in the open field. So was that a gender reveal? I don't, I don't think know. so. I don't know what that was. Jake the, I, called into Bobby Wagner and said, you go get him right now. <laughs> I Can I ask a dumb question? Always. Bobby Wagner is getting, you know, everybody's talking about Bobby Wagner making the big hit. Peyton Manning on the Manning cast made a big deal out of it. But there were two Rams there. Is Wagner the one that, that jumped out in front of him and kind of hip-checked him? Or was he the one that tackled him from behind? I thought Bobby made initial contact. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... So it was, a, it was only really a half sack. And then a great gang tackling. Don't they always say more hats to the ball? <laughs> That's pretty much what they did. Yeah, they did a very nice job with that. Uh, pop quiz time right here. Scotty's here. Uh, apologies. I, I guess during NFL season, we probably pop quiz takes a backseat on Mondays. We get back into it here. Um, a little mix here. Some Colts, some baseball. Scotty walking in some either London. means the pop quiz or he's escorting some interlopers that have cameras. Mark any uh, Jiffy Lube prize pack or Jiffy Lube oil change? Jiffy Lube oil change if you go five for five, yep. Last week we had a five for five or no one else the rest of the week. Give us a call, 317-239-1070. It's time for the pop quiz. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, we have callers lined up for the pop quiz. Scotty basically just recycled yesterday's pop quiz, which we never got to. Um, But there are a couple of more recent questions on there, including question number one. Uh, Kevin, would you like to select a number for sure. us? Sure. Um, we just wrapped up week four of the NFL, so let's go with number four. Brian. What's up, Brian? Not much. How are we doing today, guys? Are you standing outside of Jim Irsay's jet? Trying not to here. I'm going to get you tuned in a little bit. Oh, well, wait a minute. We're switching over now. Yeah. We're waiting. There we go. There we go. Much better. That's excellent. You're in the lavatory. Jim Mercer's lavatory. (laughs) I was just finishing up an article about how it's National Quiz Show Hint Day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Ryan, you don't need to cater, Jake. No, I'm sorry. Is it it Ryan, as in like Ryan Seacrest, or Brian, as in um, Brian Hammonds? Uh, Number two. Brian. Okay, I, I... Brian reason. Hammonds, it's a little Golf Channel reference. Yeah, there. Could, well, and Channel Six for that matter. Brian, you sound like a nice fellow. Have you called the program before? Uh, once or twice, never for the quiz show though. Okay, and uh, are you a native to the Central Indiana area? Hancock County. What's that? Hancock County. Hancock County. Okay, and I always get confused uh, between Hancock and Hendricks, but that would mean either Greenfield Central or Eastern Hancock, correct? New pal? Greenfield, Greenfield Central, but we go to uh, Eastern Hancock, so go Royals. <laughs> okay. and so, But you went to Greenfield Central yourself? I did. And what year did you graduate? 98. They had a really good basketball player around then that went to, like, Weber State. What was that kid's name? Uh, Probably Josh Mullins. No, his dad was a coach, I think. Oh, Angle. No, J.R. Angle, was, uh, he was Indian Creek. Mm. I'll have to think of it. Think Scotty, I, do you know who I'm talking about? I've been to a game there. Is that the blue and yellow? Is that, are those your school colors? Blue and gold. Blue and gold. Central Cougars. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, I went to a game there. We they played Knightstown. We had a kid on Loyola State for the last mm, 
I think it was last year and the year before. Around what age were you, Brian, when the term Cougars began to shift from your high school mascot to other things? <laughs> About the age that uh, I would start using it for the news slogan, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, Brian, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with oh, question Brian. number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Uh, we'll let you lead it off, Jake. Okay. Uh, here we go. Question number one. The Phillies clinched a National League wildcard playoff berth last night. The two longest active playoff droughts in Major League Baseball entering the season have now both ended. The Phillies' 10-season drought was the second longest. Name the team that had the longest postseason drought in Major League in the Major Leagues before snapping it this year, and they are also headed to the postseason. Mm. They were once owned by a guy that works in the building that we're sitting in. You bring up Ken Griffey Jr. earlier? I did bring up Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. Mariners. Okay. Number two, the Colts' leading receiver, Brian, in receiving yards during Sunday's loss to the Titans was who? Kylan Granson, Alec Pierce, Mo Alley-Cox, or Paris Campbell? Granson or Pierce, Granson or Pierce. Uh, Granson had more catches, Pierce had longer catches. I'm going to go with my gut and say Pierce. By the way, John sure? Hamilton, John Hamilton's the kid from Greenfield Central that played at Weaver State. You got State. it. John Hamilton, you're right. I remember that now. You sure on Pierce? Go with the guy with three names. Go with the guy with three names. The guy with three names, Moa Ellie Cox. Okay. Uh, question number three, Matt Ryan fumbled twice in Sunday's Colts loss, giving him nine fumbles through four games this season, which is impressive, actually. Two quarterbacks hold the all-time NFL record for most fumbles in a season with 23 each. One is former Colt Kerry Collins. Who is the other? Is it Dante Culpepper, David Carr, Dave Craig, or Tony Banks? Who were the first two? Dante Culpepper or David Carr? David Carr. Okay. All right, number four, Tom Brady is the active leader in career fumbles with 133, followed by Ryan with 107. Who is third on the active career fumbles list? Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, or Joe Flacco? Active is in playing right now? Correct. Although well, it's probably not a good thing if he's playing. Nice guess. Question five. The Giants and Packers face off in London this Sunday. Both teams enter the game with three and one records. When was the last time a pair of NFL teams played in London with both teams having winning records? Was it 2019, 2017, 2008, or this will be the first time that's happened? First time. Uh, why are they always saying a, a team's a, a losing record here? That is correct. It is the first Now, time. who the hell are the Giants starting? At quarterback? Didn't Daniel Jones get hurt? And did I see Tyrod Taylor got hurt? And Daniel Jones came back. Yeah. He came back and Daniel mm-hmm. Jones? So that's who it'll be? Is Daniel Jones the most obscure starting quarterback in the NFL? Davis Webb is the other quarterback for the Giants. Household name. Uh, question number one. Yes, in fact, the Seattle Mariners, their drought of 20 seasons comes to an end. They're in the playoffs. Yeah, I'd probably say him or G- Geno Smith for, for obscure. Ooh, Davis Mills is up there, yeah. Uh, all right, number two. 
He had a nice start here after a little bit of convincing. Uh, the leading Colts receiver. Did you guys smell kerosene in here? Catches for 85. Lighting bad boy on fire, I guess. <laughs> six what? catches What's for 85 yards. Mo Alley Cox. Loud and proud. There's like truck exhaust in here. What just happened? Do you somebody want to smell this? God, that is that is a... We were getting a lot of weird odors lately. <laughs> What? Dude, right up there. Honestly, like, did an 18 We had paint thinner one by? time. Maybe we're firing up the app via that. What? Bathroom smells another Scotty time. Scotty opened the door, so I can't be the only one that smells this all of a sudden. Uh, what oh. question are we up to? I've got I've got uh, carbon monoxide poisoning here. Uh, Dante Culpepper was the answer for Let's question see. number yeah. three. Wait, was that Wait, right? He said reason? David yeah. Carr. See, I can't think straight now. <laughs> it's the, what is going on? You blew it! Ryan, that was the only one. You missed. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. Seeing visions right now. He goes four or five, and you give him that audio. I can't think straight. All of a sudden, I got paint thinner in my brain. <laughs> I'm gonna go walk the halls. We'll get some oxygen masks. Good idea. We'll do one final. <laughs> On a Colts chatter yesterday, uh, we like to give out our wow of the week, and we'll do that right now. I guess this is from the weekend. The wow of the weekend? The wow of the weekend. All right, here we go. Wow. 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 Yeah. Right? Great. Got him saying wow. I'm going to go with the firing of Paul Christ. That was one that I thought to myself, whoa, um, 60, what was he, nearly 40 games above 500. Uh, last year, the first week of October, he got a raise. This year, he's fired. I mean, that there had to be more to that than just a slow start for Wisconsin, right? Or did they just feel like they'd... I don't think any of that has come out yet. I don't think the press conference indicated that. Um, I thought I saw yesterday that is the first basketball coach or football coach Wisconsin has fired since they canned Stan Van Gundy back in the day. I had no idea Stan Van Gundy coached Wisconsin. Did he really? Yep. I did not know that either, actually. I think Wisconsin's in this weird predicament here, Jake. Part of me says... I respect him striving for a little bit more than just being nine wins and go to the Sun Bowl or the Holiday Bowl every year. But then I also think to myself, you're in a very kind of landlocked recruiting area. You're not going to attract a whole lot more talent than what you've gotten should you just kind of stick with being a contrarian and accept nine-ish wins every season. Yeah, I... Like, Listen, is Wisconsin going to be some high-octane offense at some point and win 11 and go to the, the playoffs? Thing, Kevin, I, I feel like Wisconsin – I've always said this about Indiana and Purdue. Indiana had good success with Bill Mallory, had a really nice program, was going to you know mid-level bowl games, and then they they got greedy and they felt like they needed to, to go to the next level and become Michigan State and Iowa, and they – They've never gotten back to that level consistently. The same for Purdue with Joe Tiller. And I think for Wisconsin, they did get to that level. They did. Barry Alvarez turned them around to the point where they were an upper echelon team in the Big Ten. And that's that's simply where they want to remain now. They want to stay in that lane, right? Um, 
So I, I guess. Do you respect, like, trying to strive for more? Or is it greedy? I don't know that they're trying to strive for more as much as just trying to strive to staying where they've been. They were starting to slip a little bit, maybe. And they felt like, you know what, we got to. That's a healthy pay cut. I mean. That buyout is large. Uh, your wow from the weekend, Jake? Uh, by the way, I will say this for wow. <clears throat> Our friend Bruce Kidd, who you know, Kevin, yeah. who does a lot of great things for charity around town, he and JMV just wrapped up a free throw shooting contest out at Hinkle. Uh, JMV hit 107 of 125 free throws. Bruce Kidd hit 99 of 125. Woo. So JMV wins a steak dinner in the battle. But most importantly, Teachers Treasures gets $6,000 through the fundraising. Absolutely love that. $6,000. Great work by them and great shooting. Um, Stan Van Gundy coached Wisconsin between Stu Jackson and Dick Bennett. Zero recollection of that. Zero recollection of that. Speaking of Mark's comment to start the show, you know, Stan Van Gundy kind of looks like one of those adult film people. Okay. Got a little Ron Jeremy in him? Is that what you're saying? Okay. I feel like people have made that comparison. Am I wrong? Yes. Yeah. No, they definitely have. By the way, my wow will go to, we mentioned it yesterday. How many yesterday. you have here? How many are you doing? Well, that was just a spontaneous oh, okay. because it just came in. My wow of the weekend. Just one season for Stan? Yes. My wow of the weekend goes to Ball State football, who we mentioned yesterday, because they were down, I believe, 21 nothing to Northern Illinois, who has been a good team within the MAC. They're trying to get off to a good start in the MAC, and Mike New's team comes roaring back, forces double overtime against the Huskies, and gets a much-needed win. So chirp, chirp for Ball State. And wow. Northern Illinois is one of the better teams in the MAC. Yeah, they've been a good program. Wow, really good the program. weekend for me, Seahawks Lions. Who had that on? Wow, the, on what the board? was that over? <laughs> Way over. I don't know. It's a score agami, forty-eight, forty-five. Lions had like nobody going basically. That DeAndre was a score, Gami. There's never been a 48 45 contest. Never. That's nope. amazing. Nope. 48 45. Uh, no DJ Shark. No Armand St. Brown. TJ no... Hawkinson had a big game. TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 179 yards, two touchdowns. I appreciate it mm-hmm. on my fantasy team. But 48 45, Lions Seahawks. Who would have chalked that one up? Think as, about as that. The game of the weekend. Their individual scores probably hit the over yeah, themselves. Probably. By the way, Stan Van Gundy's final season at Wisconsin was Mike Finley's senior year. My buddy Dewey, when we were in high school, was getting recruited by Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin and Northwestern were the two schools recruiting him. And he called Wisconsin to make a verbal commitment, and they said, oh, man, we just gave our last scholarship to a kid named Mike Finley. So Dewey went to Northwestern instead. There's my Mike Finley, Wisconsin story. Don't know a lot about Dewey's college professional basketball career, but I would say it worked out for Wisconsin. (laughs) No offense. That is correct. Um, I didn't realize this, and and I know we make a lot of jokes about the AFC South, but I found this interesting. Um, There was an article in The Athletic last week, Dolphins-related, that um, when the NFL did their division realignment in 2002 – Miami had the option to join the AFC South and that Jim Irsay, I guess the Colts did a fan poll and that the Colts wanted the AFC North because they wanted to have drivable road games with Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. I I could see that. Isn't it kind of interesting to think how franchises and Decades and ten years would have shifted or changed. What can you imagine? Although I, you know, the Colts been in the. I mean, Colts Steelers head to head. 
mean, the Colts dominated the AFC South. That wouldn't have happened in the AFC North with Pittsburgh. You're right. Well, in Baltimore, for that matter, right? Well, it, I think it would have been they would have been Cincinnati. in place of Baltimore, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. Yeah, Balt- then, Baltimore probably works better in the South, right? So Miami would have Miami wanted to keep the historical aspect to their days. Boy, with I just Buffalo remember and Kevin when I was a kid and the Jets. Colts were in the AFC East. Miami was the one team that just they could never. It just seemingly that was their their biggest hurdle i mean buffalo obviously buffalo was interesting because when you know after the four straight super bowls you thought well they're going to drop off here and then bryce pop gets there and cornelius bennett starts playing well and you're like oh my gosh here we go again fortunately they they always kind of ran into some qb i mean rob johnson and they had some they struggled at the quarterback position a bit but I mean, geographically, which I know we laugh at with college athletics right now, geographically, it makes a little sense the Colts are in the AFC South. I always thought if if you were to do divisions, if you were to completely blow up AFC and NFC and redo alignment based strictly on geography, you would probably have Chicago, Detroit, Indy, Cincinnati, right? And, and then put, Cleveland would be with Pittsburgh? Correct. One would think, but... Boy, yeah, I mean, if you were just going to do the AFC and move some things around, yeah, it'd probably be Miami to the south. You would move Baltimore to the east, and you'd move the Colts to the north. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, Colts, yeah, Colts, boy, that would... Be, the Colts and Steelers, you're right, you're right, would be... There'd be a lot going on there, right? There'd be a lot going on. I, I didn't. I thought I read the article, but I didn't understand why Miami had the option to pick. Is that like their history as a uh, as a franchise? Eddie White was pulling strings for them. <laughs> Probably is what. Indy's happened. mascot, Eddie White. <laughs> is he the Indy's mascot or just the Pacers mascot? I guess Boomer's the Pacers mascot. I th- right? You never know. I mean, he's talking for Buff Soccer. He's doing this. He's doing that. I just feel like you always show up to an event and there's Eddie White with a credential. And a cigar, right? Fowler wanted to know about T.Y.'s NFL future. Any update? I saw him Friday night. His kid's a pretty good player. Zionsville and Brownsburg. Brownsburg. His son is a sophomore, is that right? Unreal. Yeah. Um, I College level? Oh, certainly. Yeah. How big is he? He's much bigger than his dad. I'd say definitely six foot. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it doesn't sound like T.Y. Hilton's playing football again, right? I would think not. I mean, it's not going to be for the Colts, right? I mean, do you take down the banner and then call back up and go, you know what, uh, we're, we're missing out. Frank Wright can, kind of went out of his way to describe Jack Doyle as the best blocker, best blocking tight end in the NFL during yesterday's press conference. Part of me thought, hmm, is that Frank Reich saying to Chris Ballard, uh, how are we supposed to replace the best blocking tight end in the NFL? That was a, listen, Jack Doyle, I, I think didn't, was it Ballard or Reich that told us when we interviewed him that Doyle was one of those players that you don't really realize everything they did until they're gone? You know what I mean? And that's probably the case. By the way, you've ever uh, had an ex-girlfriend say that about you? No, absolutely. (laughs) Zero chance. Boston College, Florida International, Ole Miss, West Virginia, apparently those schools looking at Eugene Hilton Jr., 
Oh, wow. It's starting early on the recruiting front for Eugene Hilton. I hope the Zionsville quarterback's okay. Hurt his knee. He's going to Ball State. Christian Abney is his name, but he got a little banged up. All right, uh, we're inching closer to Thursday night football here. We'll continue to talk about that. The Pacers preseason opens up tomorrow night. If you missed anything, uh, Bob Kravitz, Alex Golden will be up on the podcast. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.